You got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad pickle in the arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. That's me. I don't know what the kid is that was a riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll let you can kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your thumb But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, you know that wrestling bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome to episode 253 of the Straight Shooters. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick McCone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we're going to start the show off on a bit of a somber note because it was a bit of a somber day in the world. Well, first and foremost, uh, we had the quote unquote indictment come down from uh, the Louisville Police Department in, in the state of Kentucky in a Breonna Taylor case. And that was a boatload of bs as you might have heard that the you know only one cop got the uh charge of wantly uh and blindly shooting into somebody's apartment or something like that i can't remember the exact wording but it's something i've never really heard of before <laughs> uh so wantonly that's it wantonly and blindly blindly whatever um so yeah uh that was a kicked to the gut earlier today for justice in america overall uh you know the family got some money which was taxpayer money you know but uh still no one was charged in directly killing brianna taylor it was just oh that just so happened that a bullet went through another person's apartment and endangered that person but that's why the person got charged not because they actually you know murdered someone so that's great to hear uh in our country today but it was more somber news. Gail Sayers died, uh, the former Chicago Bears legendary running back. So rest in peace to Gail Sayers. And of course, for wrestling fans, uh, Road Warrior Animal, better you know, born Joseph Laurinaitis, passed away today at the age of sixty. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, even though the Road Warriors are known to be from Minnesota, they were built from Chicago, I believe, but. Joseph Laurinaitis was actually born in Philadelphia, September 12, 1960. So 10 days after his 60th birthday is when he passed away. 10 or 11 days, I should say, after his 60th birthday is when he passed away. And uh, yeah, so that means both Animal and Hawk have passed on. Uh, Hawk, very young. Animal, still kind of young. 60 is still kind of young. But uh, you know, a sad day for wrestling fans. As both members of arguably the greatest tag team of all time is no longer with us. Um, Road Warrior Animal had some stupid things to say over the years. Let's not forget that. <laughs> he said some dumb things uh, about, you know, race relations and stuff like that. Uh, so we're not going to excuse him from that. But we don't want to totally disrespect him and, you know, tarnish the man's memory. But you know, we still want to acknowledge it, too. We didn't forget. But, again, we can't take away from his... Uh, prowess in the ring uh and his career is legendary and his son played professional football uh james laurinaitis uh played for the rams for a long time and 
of course, his brother, Big Johnny, John Laurinaitis, was a dynamic dude and is still involved with WWE to this day. He's a wrestler, big in Japan at once upon a time. But uh, Joe Laurinaitis, dead today at the age of 60. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you had some thoughts to share about World Warrior Animal. And it, again, legendary career that he that he led. Yeah, uh, first I'd like to just say I echo your sentiments uh, when it comes to Brianna Taylor and uh, not exactly a, a fun day to uh, to be watching the news. And, and you know, we kind of were expecting this because, you know, we've heard of all the state of emergency type things going on. And, uh, you know, it, it was anticipated that uh, the public wasn't going to like uh what news came down today and it's 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 just a sad day man and i i feel for you know everyone who has put you know their blood sweat and tears into this uh black lives matter movement and uh say her name brianna taylor and you know there, there's just no you know there's a, a group that's always like Oh, self-defense! You come on my property, I, I can shoot you, and all this. And then when that happens, and the shoes on the other foot, and you know it's the cops, but you know they don't, you know they don't know they're the cops, and then they shoot in self-defense. Then it's okay to just shoot to kill uh, whoever the hell's in the house. So it's it's ridiculous. Um, you know it shouldn't be political, but it is, and uh, it's like you said, it's just BS, and uh, you know it's. It's just a shame. And then we hear the news of Gail Sayers, you know, passing away. And then Road Warrior Animal, which uh, the first thing I thought of was, you know, it it just reminded me of how young Hawk was when he passed away in 2003. I kind of went. He was like 45, 46, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, I I didn't, you know what? I thought Animal was older than 60. You know, I kind of read that and I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, he was only 60. And it, it's crazy. It, it's it's crazy. And you know, just think about the first time I ever saw them. You know, was in the WWF in 1990, and you know, the their larger than life type characters, the face paint and everything like that. One of the first VHS tapes I ever bought as a wrestling fan was like a you know a Road Warriors VHS, which really kind of followed their time before getting into WWF in 1990 and all that like old stuff was kind of weird to me I wasn't like a huge fan of it in particular because it was so different than what I was used to in like 1991 1992 1993 and like that wrestling that I watched all the time uh versus you know when they were in the NWA and you know other promotions and I I think there was a a promo that Paul Ellering was with them but he like had hair and uh, you know, Hawk was wearing like a a dog collar and stuff like that, and their face paint was that, different. That's, that sounded like sounds like early on what they had. Like, yeah, the, uh, yeah. They looked like uh, what was the guys who sung YMCA? Village people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were they were big, scary looking village people, oh, but yeah. they looked like the village people nonetheless. Oh, that's yeah. when they first came out, like first broke onto the scene. Yeah, much. Uh, Hawk had like the black and yellow face paint, but it was like almost covering his whole face. And I think Animal, I don't remember if Animals was similar to what he had, you know, through the years, but I just remember being like, wow, like, this is weird. I don't, I don't really like this, but they were intense, you know, the, the matches they showed. I think uh, Kurt Henning was in one of the matches and he got his 
head caught in the ropes and then he was like bleeding from the head i guess they hit him with a chair or something like that and just the it, it was so weird seeing that when you know in the present day i was watching like mr perfect on wwf after he turned babyface and and then i was watching him you know like years earlier with short hair uh, in black trunks, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, getting beat up by the Legion of Doom. So it was just a weird time for me. But, um, you know, that was my first recollection of the Legion of Doom, a.k.a. Road Warriors. And, uh, you know, I'll, I've kind of lost... I, I know they came back a couple times uh, t- to fight on Raw, wrestle on Raw. And they had, like, a dark match on SmackDown in 2003, shortly before Hawk passed away. So, I mean, they were still, you know... Come, coming around and everything like that. I remember Animal being in WCW like around the time they folded in 2000, 2001. You know, it was just, it, it almost seemed like they were always there. Hawk being in WCW by himself, you know, like in 1994 or 5 or something like that with the blue spikes and stuff like that, the blue shoulder pads, and then they finally reunited in WCW. And it was just like a, a weird... A weird career path for both of those guys, uh, but they, they always came back together. So, and if there's one, you know, thing to take from that, um, you know, obviously, social commentary notwithstanding, is that they are now both reunited, and uh, you know, maybe they're beating up some tag teams, <laughs> you know, wherever they are right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like I said. I- I didn't always agree with things that Animal said in like interviews yeah, me, or neither. podcasts or whatnot. Yeah, me neither. Yep. But you can't take away from his profession. Just like Hulk Hogan, I don't, I don't care for Hulk Hogan at all. But you gotta, he's objectively one of the top superstars of all time. And I, I'm not saying Animal is as bad as Hulk Hogan and the things he's done. But uh, you know, big time star. Like I said, arguably the best tag team of all time. I mean. When you mention tag teams in pro wrestling, you, the conversation has to begin with the Road Warriors, um, or the Legion of Doom. I, I call them Road Warriors, but um, you know, you can throw a That's couple one of teams the, in there. One of they, the only times WWF actually had a pretty cool name that they didn't use uh, for where they were originally. I think Legion of Doom was kind of cool. <laughs> I, I agree, yeah. and it's funny because they still called them Road Warrior Animal and Road Warrior Hawk. Yeah, but they yeah. were collectively known as Legion of Doom. Right. But they were the road warriors everywhere else. So, but um, yeah, the, the conversation is not a valid one without the road warriors. Uh, they had the legendary road warrior pop, which pretty much meant that mm-hmm. whenever they came out, they got the biggest reactions out of everybody, no matter where they went. Their pop was just something different because they looked awesome. Like they were two jacked up dudes with the shoulder pads with the <laughs> spikes. Yeah. What? Yeah. They looked like complete and utter. Like who didn't want to be a road warrior? <laughs> like you didn't want to dress up like them for Halloween. I'm telling you, man. You I got the, actually, like I got the spikes and everything. I had my face painted like Hulk. I was right. definitely one of those. The, f- the foam pads with the spikes. Yep. That toy was dope back in the day. Like yep. it was like we talked about it on the podcast a couple years ago. How dope that that piece of that piece of merchandise was. But like, who didn't want to actually like be a Road Warrior? Like, I wanted to whoop somebody's ass like the Road Warriors did. Like they were awesome. But like, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's sad because like you said. Hawk died really young, in the mid forties, and Animal, uh, you know, made it to sixty, but still relatively young. And it's just you know another one of those guys in that generation of wrestlers who died before their time. And if there's one thing I know, some people yearn for what wrestling was like back in the day, but if there's one thing this generation or this era of wrestling has is that, as far as we know at least, the wrestlers live 
a much different lifestyle and live much better and hopefully live will live much longer than some of these guys from back in the day. All those Minnesota guys, too. Yeah. Uh, perfect, rude. Uh, like I said, the Road Warriors. Uh, probably one or two I'm missing, but th- those four right there, those like, I was like the Minnesota crew and yeah. gone. Who, who's who, basically. Right. And those guys were all top stars. Those dope wrestlers, dope personalities. They were over, making money. Gone far too young. An animal lasted the longest, but he was only 60, man. And that's sad. That's really, that actually is sad. So uh, condolences to the Laurinaitis family. Um, but uh, yeah, did, it's just, uh, again. Yeah, I remember having a wrestling buddy. It was I just had Hawk, though. I didn't have both of them. And uh, I would wear those foam shoulder pads, acting like I was Animal, and me and Ad- me and Hawk would have it out. You know, <laughs> we would have our matches. And <laughs> I would, <laughs> Hawk would have it out. <laughs> I'd jump off the stairs with a flying elbow, emulating Macho Man. But then I would, you know, I would taunt Hawk with, "Oh, what a rush!" But I was Animal. You know, <laughs> it was it, you know, it was fun as a kid. You know, your mom you know, was like, "Sit your ass down somewhere. <laughs> You're not damn Road Warrior Animal." <laughs> no, that, I think, up my damn coffee I think, table. I think they actually, because uh, I did it in a separate room from where the TV was, so I think they were oh, okay. they were fine with it. They were like, you know what, let him go do his thing, and as long as I wasn't breaking stuff, uh, right. <laughs> I mean, I was jumping off stairs, but as long as I wasn't breaking my own self and their <laughs> stuff, uh, I was good. <laughs> I would always right. wet my hair. I would like, I would have the title belt. Man, I would get ready. I would get jacked. As you should. It's the yeah. Road Warriors, man. You got to get jacked up for yeah. them. I, I will say, give Animal credit for being like he seemed like he was like the brains. I think he did. Yeah, the, he was um, like the, lo- the paint. kind of the low key one, almost. Right, he did the paint. I think for both of them, he I think he came up with the idea, or maybe Hawk did, but one of them came up with the idea, obviously, to do like their hair to where like it was like the invert yeah, of the other. Yeah. So like one of them had the mohawk. I think Animal had the mohawk. Hawk had the two. Yes, yeah, I guess strips or two something. mohawks. Yeah, yeah, and they can like, oh, yeah, like guess, insert guess, so, into each other. Somebody has said like a double mohawk, and then I was like, ah, maybe. I mean, that's never how yeah. I looked at it. I was just okay. <laughs> it wasn't. It was an odd haircut to be walking down the street with. Let's just say that, even in the eighties. But uh, yep. you know, so I give him credit for that. He lived that gimmick to the end. I, I, I'm pretty sure I made fun of him on this podcast in the past for always wearing the face paint. Even in yeah. like the dark side of the ring interviews, it's like animal. This is not. Yeah. This is not the gimmick time. Like this is this is nothing about the gimmick here. This is dead serious stuff you're talking about here. Um, but I mean that's. I mean I guess it's maybe also, he was covering you know, up some zits or something. I don't know. Fifty nine year old. It's also. <laughs> it's also just a product. He's a product of his time when people yeah. lived the gimmicks. All right. You know, Sting still makes every appearance with the face paint because why else would you want to see Sting unless he has the face paint on? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You don't want to see Steve Borden. You want to see Sting. Uh, give the people what they pay for. But but even Sting doesn't do like interviews with the face paint on. No, <laughs> he didn't even do... I think the first time I really saw him without it was in 1998. They uh, WCW released these like short biography-type cassettes of Sting and Macho Man, I think were the first two. And I got both of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole thing, I be, uh, Sting was just wearing sunglasses or... Something, but he, yeah, he wasn't even wearing his face paint for a WCW produced video in 1998 when he was still pretty big. It might have been 98, 99, but you know, he he wasn't wearing the face paint at that point or stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Road Warriors, man, they were a dope team. But let me go back to uh, the Brianna Taylor thing real quick because, yes, they 
gave the family money, but what what came down today is not was not justice. No, it was and not that's justice the whole reason. All. You know, it, it was for justice, and that's it. You know, people are like, right. you know, I, I hate the people that come back with, uh, you know, more white people are killed, uh, unarmed white people are killed by cops, and it's like, then why don't y'all do it, something about it? it? That <laughs> like, and it's like y'all could well, be out here in the streets. <laughs> Saying like, "Hey, this is bad. Like, yeah. white people are getting shit murdered by the cops too." Yeah, you're right. Let's do something. Let's let's exactly. band together and try to make sure these cops are held accountable for murdering civilians. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand that neither. Like, like they say, "Oh, like I told you, just shut up and be quiet because it happens more to white people." Hey, white right. people, and why don't you come with? Like, they're murdering y'all too, even though mm-hmm. us by a disproportionate amount as far as percentage, because that matters, not mm-hmm. just the amount of people, but percentage matters. Because there are more white people here. But yeah, like it's bad too. Like it's bad whoever it happens to. It's a, it's a, uh, let's just say, just they have just so much power to do whatever and to get away with it. And it, like I, I was going to say, this is not new, especially for black people. This is not new. This has happened mm. so many times before where it, look, it makes George Floyd, what happened with him and the aftermath look like odd. And the fact that all those cops, I think, or most of them, at least the main one, Derek Chauvin, is in jail, I believe. The other ones, I think, got out on bail or whatever. But, you know, he went to jail pretty much right away or right away as far as cops are concerned. You know, he didn't go to jail that day. It took a little bit. But as far as cops are concerned, if he goes to jail within a month, that's like right away. Right. Um, and that's kind of what the, it's like the cops that are killing the, these unarmed white people are almost always brought to justice or they're, they're held accountable for, for and, that. And that's, and I, that's don't, I don't know thing. that to be true. I don't know that to be true, but if they are, that's crazy. And it's not just like, oh, f- lose his job. I mean, what? You um, kill somebody I mean, and just the, lose the, your job? Most recently, uh, I think that there was like a, a neighbor that unfortunately killed a young per, a young boy on a bike, uh, something like that. But then, uh, you know, that everyone's like, why isn't everyone freaking out about that? And it's like, well, that we don't person was brought to justice like that person right. was caught and it was in jail whatever um like when, that's when it's not exactly right, the same because it's not cops but like that's that's what people are missing here when they go the, the what about yeah. you know it's just right, what they're too. missing the, the what aboutism and it's like y'all don't understand it's like if something is being done right we have no reason to protest it <laughs> like exactly, exactly. there's no reason to, to march and to create hashtags like okay justice is served here but so that's just the system worked. But when the system doesn't work in the case of Breonna Taylor or the case of um, so many others, you know, Sandra Bland or Rodney King, you know, we're going way back. And the justice system doesn't work. And when it fails, like objectively fails, that's when we'll go, hey, this is wrong. Something needs to be done. Uh, you know, and even in the case of like a Lori Laughlin who gets to pick her. Uh, penitentiary yeah. that she gets to, to serve in for her whatever amount of time I forget how much it is it's not that much she gets to pick the penitentiary and it has yoga and all this stuff it's like two different justice systems and you wonder why people get upset because it's just flat out not fair bro and that's just it and that's just putting it lightly you know it's yeah. just not fair yeah. it's just not it's that so, simple it's that simple it's not fair and then you'll have all the, the all the people against that uh, trying to you know justify whatever their ways are, they'll they'll bend over backwards to try and find something that would um, appease their viewpoint, and then they'll you know turn a blind eye to the same thing on right. 
and it, it, it's just exhausting and i can't imagine if it's exhausting for me how 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 black people can feel like it man it's crazy it's it's crazy as it sounds we've we're not even surprised we're, we're upset still mm-hmm. but it's, it's it i would say it's not that we're desensitized it's just that we kind of saw it coming because Trayvon mm. Martin's killer didn't go to jail and he's a kid. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You can shoot a little kid, little black boy, and go to not go to jail. Oh, but he he wasn't a kid to the people that justified it, but that that yeah. kid, that 17 year old that shot people a few weeks ago with right. a AR-15. Just a little boy just, just protecting little boy. his neighborhood. Yeah. Just a little boy. Who didn't even live there. Trayvon but. Martin was a <laughs> dangerous man, potentially, though, right? Yeah. Unarmed, by the yep. way. Yep. At least that that Rittenhouse kid is in jail, right? He got locked up, I think, right? Charged uh, with some BS, probably. <laughs> um, but, but, like, some of the stuff is just inexcusable. You got to lock some people up. got to lock Chauvin up because it's like we can't possibly wiggle out of this one, at least. Mm-hmm. And there's cameras. We, we, we can see Chauvin do it, you know. And Breonna Taylor, there's no cameras, and it's just these dumb statements where they probably work together and help each other out, blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that it sucks, and I know that we kind of, went to animal and we're kind of coming back to this but i just had more to say because I, I i was thinking about it while we were talking about animal um we can even bring it up during the middle of clash like it, it's it's why not because it's, it's some, important it's more important than clash of the champions that we're going to talk about which i mean we're going to talk about it we're going to have fun uh talking about it but i mean uh, we've said it before and we'll say it again if you're not comfortable with us hearing us talk about it if you want to just stick to wrestling man you gotta go to another podcast because I'm African American, man, and this affects me and everybody I know, and, and it hurts. And this is my outlet to express it. So uh, I know some of y'all out there agree with me, some of y'all don't. But look, man, this is what it is. This this is literally why you wonder why people wonder why. Like you can't, you gotta do, you gotta be a contortionist to be able to bend your mind and try to work your worm your way into these arguments to try to justify this stuff. But not, y'all are not contortionist. Y'all are not flexible. <laughs> like you, you're just not that flexible. You just you, you, at some point you got to make sense, and a lot of y'all don't when it comes to this type of stuff. So rest in peace to Breonna Taylor. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry that we couldn't that the system failed you like it failed so many others. Uh, yeah, it's it's really sad. And yeah, her family like I said, oh her family's fine. They got twelve million dollars. So what, man? They don't bring Breonna Taylor back. And at the same time, that's taxpayer money. Ain't like the police union had to pay that. They didn't even held accountable financially. And homeboy who got fired and has gotten indicted, he he maybe he might get his job back. Like maybe he yeah. got a pension. Like yeah. who knows what the, how that works out? I don't know. But either way, the family yeah, the twelve million dollars, great. You know that hopefully that can put somebody through college or something, pay somebody's bills. But the justice isn't really served, and the money won't make up for that. I don't care how much money you paid them. It won't make up for that. Because the cycle continues. And you can't just give people taxpayer money. We, the people, or the people of Louisville, I should say, are held more accountable for the death of Breonna Taylor than the police officers that shot and killed her while she was sleeping. That doesn't make any sense, bro. And there's a reason why it's injustice being protested and it's not the flag. It's not, it's not, you know, the military, it's this, right? It's this stuff right here. 
but it's it's rep, the, the flag represents this stuff, and you like, oh, respect it. And it's like, man, I don't. How can I respect a country that doesn't respect me? That's how people feel. That's how people feel. That's how people felt during the Vietnam War. That's how Muhammad Ali went to jail because he was like, I'm not fighting for a country that doesn't care about me back at home. Them people didn't do nothing to me. That's exactly that's pretty much what he said. It's like them Vietnamese people didn't do nothing to me. I got more issues with the people in my own country than these people overseas that I've never even met before. I'm supposed to fight for y'all. He stood his ground. Hmm. And he's a hero. So they, unfortunately we don't have the draft system anymore, but I'm sure some people would love to bring it back. <laughs> I'm sure they would. And actually, a lot of people sitting in, rather sitting in jail than go fighting somebody's war that they didn't have, they have no stake in at all. But um, yeah, that's that's our uh, social justice rant for this week. We've had a lot of those lately because it's just that type of time, man. We on that type of time right now. And uh, yeah, yeah so our, our eyes are opened. So it's oh, yeah. uh, it's crazy, and. It is. It's, it's like I said, it's exhausting, and if I'm exhausted, I can't imagine how uh, my black brothers and sisters feel. So, you know what's funny? All I can do is listen. Is- it, it takes no effort to listen, and there there are many people that just don't want to do that. Nope, not at all. It makes them uncomfortable to know that oh, the yeah. country that they have so much pride in it doesn't it's work. It's perfect. It's not perfect. <laughs> right? It's you okay know? too. Like it's, which country is fine. perfect? We could, <laughs> We could fix it. We could help it be better. You know, there's nothing it'll, wrong it'll with that. It'll take nothing like, away from you. Like, it, we're not trying to right. take anything away from you. And like, they get personally offended. And, it, it, you know, I've dealt with it, you know, with extended family members that I've had to shut out just because they don't understand. And, you know, they, they're they hypocrites to begin with, uh, you know, because they don't want to hear, like you said, stuff that makes them feel uncomfortable. And I'm not even trying to, you know, go at them. In a, and this is how much you know. I can't, I can't really understand what a black man or woman must go through if they're pulled over and like how they have to interact with a cop because of what they must feel inside. But I have to walk on eggshells to talk to my extended family because I don't want to quote unquote offend them because then they'll completely shut down and just not want to hear what I have to say. So that I have to, you know walk on eggshells around them and i'm just tired of it it's stupid i shouldn't have to do that to but you know with people in in their 50s 60s 70s like they're not going to change they're, they're just not going to change they don't they don't want to change because they've, they've lived long enough to you know <laughs> exact uh use their white privilege and not realize what it is because there's still so many people that don't understand white privilege is just not no, struggling because it. of the just, color of your skin. Like they that, understand that's it. it. They just don't want to come to terms with the fact that they didn't earn everything by and they pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They don't want to. It, it makes them feel uncomfortable that they took advantage of something. The only way wants to be told that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to be told that you you were given, you were handed something, or handed a better opportunity. They want to tell themselves, "Yeah, I earned this." <laughs> and this and, and it. It makes it's uncomfortable to know that you that you did something like that, but you know, it is what it is. It's okay. No, it's not okay, but you know, we got to move on <laughs> on this podcast at least because we'll be on here for four hours. But uh, it, the funny thing is, it's like all this stuff is happening in the world, 
And WWE, in infinite wisdom, was like, let's take advantage of this by having a group oh, of man. anarchists running around in the show, tearing up stuff, burning stuff up, throwing cinder blocks at the window, <laughs> the windows, I should say, beating people up. And then what do they do? They don't call the police. They don't add extra security. They don't call in, uh, you know, they don't, they don't consider Florida to be an anarchist jurisdiction. I wonder if Louisville would be anarchist jurisdiction because of the protests. Hmm. I wonder if that would happen. I probably won't. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. What what does WWE do? They give them contracts, and then they also everything. gave them horrible names. Oh man! You know what's funny? Hold on, hold on. Before I get into the names, if I. We talked about I'm going to get you sucker in the past. <laughs> I know you've never seen it. But there's one scene with Clarence, I think Clarence Williams III, the legendary actor. He's like this black revolutionary. And Keenan Ivory Williams goes to him. He's like, hey, man, I want to take down this big boss guy. I heard you had a lot of people that's in your old army. You know, let's go take him down. He's like, well, I had a bunch of people, but <laughs> they're all gone. It's like, what happened? It's like, they got jobs. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, it's like, remember that? Building on whatever street, he's like, yeah. He's like, well, we went down there with guns and to take it over. And we walked in with guns, but they were hiring that day, <laughs> so people walked in with guns and walked out with jobs, <laughs> and they weren't mad anymore. <laughs> and to me, that's one of the funniest scenes in movie history because that's what retribution did. <laughs> but they're maybe still kind of mad. They, right? Maybe that's where they got their, uh, you know creativity from that scene maybe maybe bruce pritchard saw i'm gonna get you suckers like this could be a funny story <laughs> we know how to calm him down a little bit give him jobs <laughs> so the funny the real life story is that these guys already had jobs and they already had names they were dio madden and mia yim yeah. and mercedes martinez donovan dijakovic and i don't know who the guy in the hockey mask is but people are thinking it's shane thorne man i could not not watch that enough I paid no attention to, so I don't even know. The, Mia Yim, I think, is the only one that I really was like, okay, that's Mia Yim. But the others, I could not care less. So, well, the thing is, yeah. it's not Shane Thorne, it's not Dio Madden, it's not Donovan Dijakovic, it's Sean Walton. <laughs> it's T Bar, <laughs> Mace, not not Bad Boy Mace, not Harlem World Mace. <laughs> M-A-C-E, Mace. And Slapjack. WWE, y'all, man, y'all y'all just don't even care anymore. Y'all can't care anymore. Like, in this crazy time, it's like, and it was the whole wrestling, everybody, no matter what company you root for or what wrestler, what type of style of wrestling you like, everybody hated that. It's like, everybody, no matter who, like, if some people are deemed, like, older WWE fanboys or whatever, or AEW haters, whatever the case may be, Everybody hated it. Unanimously <laughs> panned. I saw so many people Tuesday saying they had like tweets still thinking about Slapjack. <laughs> like it affected people that much. They thought about it for 24 hours after the fact. Just sitting there like, wow, Slapjack. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's like WWE reached such a low on the creativity like what what where what how 
I was left. I was damn near speechless while I was watching. I was just like, I couldn't even like. I wasn't even mad. I know some people might freak out and yell and get angry. I just couldn't. I just. I was just like, I can't. I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's. I can't. Uh, and that's, I think, the worst reaction to have to this. Um, if you're not emotionally invested, uh, you get those kind of reactions. And I don't know uh, one person that I talk to that has been emotionally invested in the retribution angle to begin with uh, when it first started. I think everyone fr- right from the bat thought it was just like a clown angle or story. And I was among them. And then it'd be like, okay, well, let's see what happens next week and see how it progresses. And it progressed even worse than I could imagine. So, uh, I'm completely out on it, man. Like I, I don't, I don't change the channel because I don't really need to. You know, I get, I got Twitter, I got Facebook, I got stuff to occupy me when I'm watching stupidity on TV. So I'm not one to like try and find something on TV to watch. If I'm watching wrestling out of habit, which I'm doing right now, by the way, I have NXT on, I have AEW on. Uh, you know, it, if I'm watching Raw or SmackDown, it's out of habit. And uh, first of all, there's nothing really on anyway <laughs> on Friday nights uh, when I'm home or, you know, really Monday nights except football. But, you know, when football's not on, what is there? And so I just go to my phone, you know, like I, I don't even pay attention to what's going on on the TV. I just go to my phone, peruse Twitter, see what's going on, mostly around Philly sports. But, you know, I, I follow a lot of wrestling people and they're <laughs> they're giving me the updates that I need, you know. Uh, and it's never been good with retribution, not once. So, no, I'm they've g- missed. Like you, I'm just apathetic, and that's the worst t- yeah. to be. You know, they've missed every mark on this. <laughs> every single every one. Single one. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll mute myself. <laughs> it's like if it was baseball, they'd be zero for ten with ten strikeouts. <laughs> And they only saw three pitches per at bat. Yeah. They swung at all three of them and missed all three of them. They might have even seen one go right down the middle. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, they didn't yeah. make any contact. <laughs> right, right. They, they didn't foul any off. They just missed every at every step of this to the point that now we have five characters. We have five characters that look like they belong in Saturday morning cartoons. It's like WWE <laughs> takes something. It's like, how can we make it look as unrealistic as possible? I know, because this is what anarchists walk around wearing. Let's make the men look like Bane, or two of them look like Bane. The one guy looks like Jason Voorhees, who has had a haircut in 10 years. <laughs> and let's make the women look like Super Shredder. That's how we're gonna put it on TV. That's what's gonna jump off the screen because that's what WWE thinks. They don't think like normal is gonna make people watch. They got it's got to be a little extraordinary, extraordinary, so to speak. So that's their idea. This came straight from like creative services, some drawings and stuff like that. They put time and thought into this. This is what they came up with over the course of weeks. It's like they think about it, but it's still like I think Andrew Goldstein said, and shout out to Andrew Goldstein. He said that it's still ad hoc, despite the fact that they think about it 
for weeks. Like, it's still, like, completely thrown together. <laughs> but yet, they've had the idea for a long-ass time. Like, yeah. it's... How, what? <laughs> Bruh, it's so bad. It's dead on arrival. Like, they... They... they, they yeah. it's, it's so bad, it's like... You can say you could say, "Oh, they got nowhere to go but up." They can't get up. There's no, no way. No, not people at all. have people are out on this. People are all the way out. If they like, go all the gone. way up, there's going to be six feet under. Right. That's that's real talk. <laughs> that's real talk. They are people couldn't be more out on this. No matter what they do, because they could bring CM Punk back as the leader, <laughs> and they will be like, "Man, people CM Punk, get away, it. get away from that crap," because that stank <laughs> right. is going to be on you. You know, in record time, that they can't even do that. He avoided the Nexus stink. He had to do something <laughs> extraordinary to get avoid that. He had to leave the company for a month. He had to leave the company as WWE champion to get the the Nexus stink off of him. Yeah, this this would stick to him forever. He he's not doing this, by the way. And CM no, Punk no, no. is not doing this because he's been here before. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He's done this before. He's seen what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. They're going to talk a big talk. They're going to have some matches. They might win a couple of matches, and eventually, Team WWE, whoever that may be, will beat the brakes off them, and that's going to be the end of that. That's it. <laughs> we know how this is going to go. I'll give it to Survivor Series. That's in like less than that's like two months oh away, my right? Goodness, two more months. Of you this. know they're gonna have they're gonna have a Retribution Survivor Series match. Maybe one for the men or one for the women, or maybe a mixed Survivor oh, Series. Maybe no. might do that for the first time ever. For the first time ever, a mixed Survivor Series match because it's five of them. Oh, and by Survivor no. Series, this group will be dead. Well, that's the bright spot. The the invasion angle is better than this. <laughs> you know what? You're right. And that's sad. It's very sad. Because by the end, we had Shane McMahon fighting for the sanctity of WCW, which is like, how the hell did we get here? And Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. Like, how <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what did they? What were they doing? <laughs> in, in Big Show. And the only like purely WCW person in that team was, or they had, wasn't Rob Van Dam on the team? Yeah, uh, Booker T, I believe too. They might have been the only. But Booker T was <laughs> the only like purely WCW guy who hadn't been in WWF yet. <laughs> this is worse. The retribution is worse than that. This is utter trash. And I can already hear it. I can already see it for the first time ever. A mixed. <laughs> Survi- intergender Survivor Series match. It's going to be... Uh, who's going to be in that? It's going to be Drew McIntyre. Uh, oh, uh, ooh, I don't know. Braun Strowman, maybe? Uh, hmm. <laughs> who's the women? Who's the women? Asuka? Uh, um, hmm. Ooh, I'm trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. Oh, who's geez. a good woman to have? Oh, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, there maybe? You, you know? You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Clean sweep. <laughs> You're gonna have the somebody super kick somebody like Shawn Michaels super kick Mike Knox and was like, "Who's that?" Like, not even realize That's he's like up. beating somebody. That's what's gonna happen. Right. It's just, it's just, it's gonna be, it's gonna be sad to watch. Y'all get ready. I'm telling y'all, Survivor Series 2020. Oh man. This is gonna be the death of retribution. <laughs> retribution is over at that point. 
That's it. I'd be stunned if it lasted past Survivor Series. Absolutely stunned. Because I don't see how WWE can get two months of TV out of this. More than that, I should say. It's such, stunned. It's such a bad wrestling angle, too, where it's like, come in, cause right, chaos, get contracts. Like, right. It's in uh, poor taste. It's poorly executed. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's it, making fun of it. Poor taste because we know exactly what the hell they're trying to do. <laughs> or trying to mimic, at least, in, in, entertainment, uh, in an entertainment way. And it's like, nah, I mean, there are some things that, you know, that they've mimicked in pop culture through the years that have been funny. Um, but this is not even close. Nah, missed the mark. Is, they've missed it every step of the way. They missed all the steps. If you like climbing steps, they tripped over every single one. <laughs> like they drunk. They are drunk right now. You go home, big fella. WWE, go home. You wobble. You finna fall. You already fell. And you're trying to get back up, and it's, you're going to fall right back down. Hmm. Drunk, big fella. You're not a drinker. Like Ha Ha Davis would say. Drunk, big fella. Sit down. <laughs> like, <laughs> put the pencil down. Woo. Man. Oh, my goodness. It's so it, trash. This is ridiculous. I'm watching NXT. Casey Catanzaro. She, there's a women's battle royal going on, and she fell on her ass, but her feet didn't touch the floor. So she's not eliminated. But she's sitting on the floor. But her feet aren't, hmm. haven't touched, so she's not eliminated. So she does like a back handspring and gets back into the ring. I'm tired of those spots, man. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe it's just the wrong time for me to see that while we're talking about retribution and I'm watching that and I'm like that's so stupid because literally anyone can fall out and just fall on their back and keep their feet in the air and still be like why don't people do that <laughs> if they know it should be like the NFL two feet a knee or an elbow boom you're eliminated mm. come on they should have review. That was a very bad, a very bad time for me to see that while we're discussing retribution. They should have that's review. another creative annoyance. If they had like booth reviews and battle royals, that'd be hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> that's just my opinion. And and in in contrast to that, I believe Eddie Kingston's getting a shot at the AEW World Title tonight on Dynamite because he technically uh, was never eliminated from the Casino Battle Royale at All Out. So they're you're using the continuity of you know it was a mistake you know it wasn't good you know it wasn't planned but uh, they decided to make it into a a story uh, and an angle so look at AEW yeah doing things on uh, and you know that'll that'll teach those people that think I'm just hating on AEW all the time (laughs) I give them credit when they deserve it but you do you hate on them all the time though. (laughs) I just don't want them to be like WWE, and they just remind me too much of WWE, and that's where I get annoyed. A, that is a very valid criticism that people don't want to hear sometimes. I don't know why. It's all right. They they, they can do better. It's all right. Yeah. <sighs> oh, retribution. I'm, uh, let's, let's stop talking about Retribution. Let's talk about a group that actually did well as far as like the takeover and stuff like that. Let's go back to 1997. In the NWO, New World Order. Remember this? This was fun. 
This is a oh, fun man. time in wrestling. This is some of the, one of the best years in wrestling in 1997. My I, favorite wrestling year. My favorite wrestling summer. Not just from a WWF standpoint, but WCW nope. was hot. White hot in 1997. Fire. Fire. Fire, fire. Hotter than fish grease in 97. Hell yeah. And on this day, we're talking about the final Clash of the Champions in 1997. Clash of Champions 35. The final Clash of the Champions ever from WCW until, again, WWE revived the Clash event. Just tweaked the name a little bit in 2016. Uh, but this is the final one from WCW, like I said. So we're going to dive deep. Deep dive into this event. Got my notes right Ready, here. Nick? Oh, dude, this is my favorite. I'm going to repeat that. My favorite show of the summer of 1997, and I'll explain wow. why. I'll explain That's why a little bit. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like that way on the surface, and I'm sure you watching it probably. I, I don't know if you really thought it was special. Uh, I mean, but it was special to me at that time, okay. and I'll explain why. Okay, well, we'll get into it. Uh, August 21st, 1997, from the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Great town, I've heard, too. I want to visit Nashville when everything opens back up. Yeah, I heard I nothing but good things yet. about Nashville. Yeah. I heard they got great food, of course, a great music scene. Not into country music, but they, you know, they got blues down there, too. And I'm into blues, especially live. So, yeah, Nashville. Holla at your boy when, when COVID over in 2027 and we'll I'll, I'll make a trip down there and she um, did it again she fell got eliminated and grabbed onto the guardrail oh. and now she's standing on the guardrail but she's not eliminated oh my like two 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 spots in this battle royal nick calm down don't worry about 2020 <laughs> we're going back to 97 different time in 97 man 23 it's, years before the pandemic uh, uh, the Eagles, I think, went like 6-10 and 10 that year. Not a great year for us. <laughs> Ray Rhodes, right? <laughs> was that Ray Rhodes last year? That was, uh, next to last year. Uh, oh, 98 was his last year. Okay. Yeah, Andy Reid's first year was uh, 99. 99. That's right, that's right. But, you know, now you said Bobby Horring was quarterback. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, we went 6-9-1 in 1997. Okay. So, Pretty nice. Pretty nice. But at this point of the year, we're in training camp. We're feeling good. We came off 10 and 6 season. About to go back to the playoffs, right? Bobby Horn, the guy. You know what I'm saying? So, 97, very optimistic time. Very optimistic time in pro wrestling. And let's dive right into it. We start off here with the commentary team Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby Heenan. I wrote here, what a dope ass team this was. <laughs> they came. With, with the Ray game a lot together. Uh, there were a lot of shows, especially in 1997, uh, where they just fed off each other, and it was great. And this isn't the only show. I think they were even uh, at Road Wild together uh, a few weeks before this, and I remember that show pretty well. So uh, the commentary team really stood out to me a lot for good for good reason. It's great. Two of the best talkers of all time, Dusty Rhodes and Bobby Heenan. Uh, at least promo wise, I wouldn't call him the best announcers of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, not you know, at least Bobby Heenan when he was in WWF, fantastic. WCW, eh, he wasn't as good mm -hmm. as he was in WWF. Dusty Rhodes though, fantastic in WCW. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I like Dusty Rhodes so yeah. much. Yeah. And just how what just the way he talked was fantastic. And then Tony Schiavone, I feel like we've talked about Tony Schiavone for years in this podcast when we talked about old shows, mm -hmm. especially like NWA WCW shows in particular. 
Tony Schiavone was always really good. And I feel like until recently, he got a bad rap from fans. I think fans forget that people used to crap on Tony Schiavone about his work in WCW, especially at the yeah. end. Yes. And people just, that just kind of went out the window. Everybody loves Tony Schiavone now because it's an AEW. <laughs> but just a couple years ago, people was crapping on Tony Schiavone. And I'm, we were one of the two of the people like, yo, like y'all snapping. Schiavone was nice. And he's still working as a professional broadcaster to this day because he was good. And WCW was trash. It's hard to call trash. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. tough yeah. to call trash. And Shivani, but Shivani was always on point, always really good, always professional. Uh, and again, after wrestling, he didn't work in wrestling for a long time because he didn't have to. He worked in like baseball and football, and he because he's a quality announcer. And we got another great showing from Shivani on this show. I think that the unfortunately. In late 97, 98, when he started saying the greatest night in the history of our sport, and that's <laughs> yeah. what he's known for. And that's kind of a shame because it definitely overshadowed a lot of uh, the great things he did. And, you know, you can blame Eric Bischoff for that. And, uh, you know, you can blame Vince Russo when, when he took over and try like completely changed Tony's style to where, you know, he, he wasn't that he wasn't very good towards the end of WCW with the new look and all that because you know they were just trying to make him something he wasn't and uh, kudos to Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler who were able to kind of adapt with the attitude era in WWF it just didn't seem like Tony was able to do that or wasn't given the opportunity to do that uh, as WCW kind of changed up its you know look and uh, stories uh, storylines angles through through the end of their you know company um, but yeah, I've always liked Tony, especially during this time frame. He legitimized everything. He tried to make sure that he filled in the gaps. If uh, I didn't understand something, uh, he was he would be sure to say something. Uh, you know that maybe you or other wrestling fans weren't looking for. That I'm just sitting there. I'm like, well, wait, why is this happening this way? And then he would have kind of like a throwaway line to kind of explain that. And that's what we're missing nowadays. If somebody doesn't understand something, you. You know, the commentators aren't given that chance to, you know, explain it for them, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Tony was great at this, this point. 97, my favorite wrestling year ever, my favorite WCW year ever. And Tony was a big part of that because he made everything make sense. And you mentioned that it was hard to, to call some of that late WCW stuff for Shivani because it was Vince Russo stuff. And Shivani, a legitimate broadcaster, yeah, he struggled with that crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's more of a, you know, a sports-like, straight, like I said, quality yeah. broadcaster that yeah. doesn't just have to call wrestling. And then on top of that, so on top of calling Vince Russo's crappy storylines, he was also had he also had bad partners. I don't think Scott Hudson was very good. Yeah. I don't think I thought Mark Madden was garbage. So yeah, what was Cervani supposed to do? Like <laughs> when he had quality <laughs> partners and Mike Tenay or Dusty Rose or Bobby Heenan, he was good too. You know, so yeah. and now he's got you know. Um, you know, Jim Ross and Excalibur and the occasional, you know, wrestler that jumps in there sometimes. And he's still very good. Like, mm -hmm. you give, give give Tony Schiavone his flowers because he's always a dope announcer. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, his work recently is helping kind of hopefully making wrestling fans realize he shouldn't be known for the, this is going to be the greatest night in the history of our sport. Right. Uh, he, he needs to like shun that kind of uh that kind of image from wrestling fans because that's not what he's about. I feel like I should be the guy that's on TikTok who be doing like I don't know if you probably never seen it, but like the the, the, the never forget <laughs> guy who does like 
the uh, he he like calls out people who used to wear terrible stuff from the early two thousands, and I watch yeah. the stuff and be like, "Yo, I used to wear that. I used to do that. Oh my god, I used to do that too." <laughs> like, but I I forget about that. But I forget to use mess. I feel like talking to wrestling fans used to crap on Tony Schiavone like that. Yeah, I I, I ain't forget that you was trashing Tony Schiavone back in twenty fifteen. I forget <laughs> about that boy. You 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 used to talk about Tony Schiavone like he was like he was a scrub. Like he was a slouch. I ain't forget about that boy. <laughs> I ain't forget about y'all. I ain't forget about y'all out there. Y'all used to talk trash about Shivani. I used to just throw just crap on him, man. It's, it was sad. It was sad. Tragic. So, uh, moving on though. We started off with a recap from the most recent edition of Nitro. Sting popped up and got in the ring. People went crazy and he demanded to J.J. Dillon without saying a word. That he wanted Hulk Hogan. And the fans was chanting it. There was signs. Sting was pointing to the fans. He was pointing to signs. And I was like, damn. This story was so dope back in 97. It's a damn shame they messed it up at the end of 97. But boy, it was a fun getting there. It, it, I don't know if it'll be... If anything in wrestling can get to that point anymore. I mean, the way it was done, uh, I think, was almost too perfect in that uh, for, for pro wrestling. So I'm not, I'm not sure if you know, especially in 2020 and moving forward, uh, we, I don't think we'll have the mental capabilities to be able to wait almost a year and a half for something like that. Just have a story build for that long in pro wrestling. Um, I mean, they, they've done WWE. I think has actually done a good job with the Paul Heyman Roman Reigns pairing and kind of alluding back years and years, but I mean... That's the that, best thing on WWE TV right now. It, so it Paul is. It absolutely by is. By far. And by the way, if you missed the bump today, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, go back and watch it. You had, they had Jey Uso on, and Paul Heyman came in and interrupted. They had a little talk, and then Paul Heyman was interviewed after Jey Uso got off. Uh, you know, it was fantastic. It's just everything they're doing with this uh, makes sense. And isn't that... A low bar to set where you know we're thr- <laughs> we're thrilled when things make sense in WWE, um, but no, it's not a low bar. It's a <laughs> T bar. <laughs> oh man, uh, wish I had that was too easy. My, that was my too sound, easy. Wish I had my soundboard with the the drums. I could be like, Ch-ch-ch. oh, that um, was that was too easy, bro. I had to take it, but uh, I had to do it. Yeah, it, it was awesome. So definitely check out the pump this week if you haven't already. So and. and Yes, they're alluding to things that happened years ago, but I'm not sure that was the end game at this point. I'm not sure in 2015, you know, Vincent Mann was thinking in five years, I'm going to pair Paul Heyman up with Roman Reigns. Or, you know, maybe he's like, when Lesnar leaves, we'll still have Roman and we'll have Paul Heyman with him. I mean, that could have that could have actually happened. I don't know, honestly. I'm not in the room. But, uh, you know, they're hitting a home run with it right now. And like you said, it's the best thing on WWE TV. So, you know, look, looking back and watching this, event back it brought me back to all the 1997 hype you know uncensored i ordered uncensored and then that was the first time sting showed what what side he was on uh of this year it was like march of 97 it was you know after wrestlemania and then they had sting beat up the nwo and it was like awesome i remember like kind of feeling jacked so i was like yes things on the good side you know i'm what 11 years old so uh you know it, it 
that ride from you know March '97 to where we knew where things stood up until this point, where we know it's headed. Because you know I'm 11, but I, I kind of understood wrestling booking at this point and stories, so I knew kind of the end game was Sting and Hogan for Starcade because in my mind Starcade was their WrestleMania, even though Eric Bischoff says Halloween Havoc was kind of their WrestleMania. What? Oh yeah, he said that. <laughs> you know, what like, the hell? He said that on 83 weeks. He said that on 83 weeks. He said, Eric Bischoff, let me tell you, I know you ran the company (laughs) and I know you made decisions up there, but Halloween Havoc, as much as I love it, ain't no damn WrestleMania. (laughs) Starcade WrestleMania, okay? Starcade was it. I mean, if they they would have made Sting versus Hogan to Halloween Havoc then. Like, so so I don't. Right, exactly. I don't don't really like. I I don't want to call him a liar, but I mean, Starcade was the WrestleMania. It's like Mr. McMahon saying no mercy is the WrestleMania another WrestleMania. It's like, what? Bro, what are you talking about? What? Oh man. No Mercy's pro- probably had some sweet ass pay per views through the years though. I love Halloween Havoc. Yes. I wish uh, I'm hoping NXT uses it this year. Because they brought back Great American Bash, which they could have left, honestly. They could have left that in the past. They I brought like back that. in your house, which was kind of fun. Right. But they, they could have left Great American Bash in the past. We don't care about that. But <laughs> uh Halloween Havoc, do it. NXT, yes. do it, do it, yes. bring it back the big pumpkin too with oh, the inflatable yeah. pumpkin. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> if they don't do that, I'm out. I'm done. No, that, do that. Halloween Havoc is enough with the old school logo too. Come on, got to do it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. It dope. It was dope. Everything was dope about it. <laughs> but first match on the card though is a United States Heavyweight Championship match between Jeff Jarrett, the champion, J E double T J A double R E double T. Ain't he great? He was on this day. He's a U.S. champion. <laughs> Going against Steve Mongo McMichael. Now, we got to spend some time talking about Mongo. <laughs> we got to spend some time talking about Mongo because during a video package, they called Mongo a football sensation. Now, mm. I wouldn't quite go that far with talking about Mongo. Tell me you looked up the stats, Vaughn. Of course I did. Oh, I hell yeah. Stats. Hell yeah. Of course I did. You, you know this, baby. Come on now. <laughs> Now, people will trash Mongo for his wrestling skill, rightfully so, because I think the Twitter account now, the uh, yeah. the Mongo Twitter account, has showed that, like, yo, he was not good at wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tried the same thing with Todd Pettengill, but people are more enamored by Mongo McMichael than Todd Pettengill. Bro, so. those those Mongo uh, botches are legendary. They're something. Okay. They are something. Pettengill was at least a... Uh, a passable broadcaster at the very least he was better than passable i'm not going to disrespect yeah, him but yeah what, what he didn't like have complete and utter just terrible botches like mongo did <laughs> like he had some discernible athletic he had he was athletic he had athleticism because he was an athlete uh he had some discernible idea of what he was doing he knew how to sell it's just he would get lost and just make awful terrible dumb mistakes <laughs> but as a football player he was really, really good. I know from wrestling fans that don't care about sports, and they probably always wonder, like, who is this big football player? Who cares? Oh, my God. Like, he's just played football. I don't care. Look, man, you got to respect some of these football players, some of these people who are professional athletes outside of, uh, you know, wrestling. Because these guys can ball. And Steve McMichael could – he was uh, nice back in the day as a – Two-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and of course, Super Bowl champion with the 1985 Chicago Bears, which is still considered one of the best defenses of all time. 
with Buddy Ryan, who, of course, Eagles fans know as, you know, Coach Buddy Ryan, head coach Buddy Ryan. Uh, some people still revere to this day as the Eagles head coach, but, um, but you know, Richard Dent, Mike Singletary, uh, so many other guys. I mean, I'm losing track of all the guys that they had, but they were monsters. They Nick, called monsters Nick the for a reason. What's that? Nick Foles. Nick Foles, what? <laughs> he's a, he's the backup quarterback right now. Oh yeah, I forgot. Bears, <laughs> I <say>. the Bears. <laughs> uh, like, what do you say, Nick Foles for? There, there I am with the weird ass comment. Sorry about that. I forgot that he play, he's the backup for the Bears now. You you kind of threw me off there, but Walter Payton was on a squad, of course. Yeah, the sweetness. sweetness. SummerSlam nineteen ninety four Hall of Famer. Oh, of course you had. William Perry, the fridge. You had Wilbur Marshall, Otis Wilson, Dan Hampton. All these dudes were beasts. Dave Dewars, and they were all Pro Bowlers. All nice, like, like legendary players. Gary Fensick, like, great, great players, right? And Mongo was one of them, just as good as anybody, right? It's this legendary defense. Again, multi-time Pro Bowler. He had three, three double-digit sack seasons as an interior lineman. That's not easy to do, okay? If an interior lineman, nose tackle, defensive tackle, gets 10 sacks, it should be like automatic Pro Bowl. And that's just 10 because <laughs> that's hard to do for an interior lineman. That's why Warren Sapp is in the Hall of Fame because he was putting up sacks as an interior lineman, which interior lineman, defensive tackles, nose tackles don't do. Fletcher Cox had a 10-sack season in 2018. That's, it's a great season for a defensive tackle or nose tackle. McMichael, Mongo did it three times, Okay. 10 and 84, 11 and a half and 88, and, 10 and another 10 and a half and, and 92. He was nice. All right. He had 95 sacks in his career. The benchmark for like really being a great pass rusher is 100. He damn near got there. Mm. So, like, let's not sleep on Mongo's football prowess. I wouldn't necessarily call him a sensation per se, but it was very good. <laughs> he was very, very good. There was a hall of very good. Mongo would be in there. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Very Good. I'll put Mongo in there. So, but nowhere near the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll get nowhere there at some that. point, I'm sure. He should not. <laughs> Sorry, Mongo. He could. He had charisma. He could talk. Yeah, he he was actually the one that stood out to be the most uh, WrestleMania 11. You know, he he was the talker, and uh, right. He was even on uh, commentary one one raw leading up to wrestlemania so uh, that's always, probably where wcw was like yo we yeah. should probably make him a wrestler like yeah. he's just stopped playing he's still in good shape like he can well, talk like well, what's funny is, the talking part down we can teach him how to wrestle <laughs> eric bischoff on 83 weeks they went over this clash of the champions about a year ago and i had listened to it just to see if i missed anything uh after watching the show and he had mentioned that he he never really wanted to bring Mongo out of the booth, but Mongo wanted to wrestle. Like he wanted to get physical. So I guess they weren't going to, you know, tell him no, but um, I mean, they could have because <laughs> like we, we saw him in the ring. He wasn't, <laughs> wasn't exactly uh, safe to begin uh, Mongo, with. Mongo, Mongo, Mongo. No, 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 Let's not, <laughs> let's not bro. Just talk. You can make money. You can do this forever. Just talk, baby. Come on. Come on, baby. Just talk. <laughs> So, yeah, Mongo was nice at football, not so nice at wrestling. Uh, what wasn't so nice neither was Jeff Jarrett's gear. Uh, <laughs> wore the same damn thing. In the past. Like he wore the same damn thing. 
But like I'm going to say it, it again. It's <laughs> trash. But what was he thinking wearing that? Bro, what was he doing? Uh, like, you, you go to WCW. Why don't you why don't you update your look? I, I think he, he really finally updated it. He finally updated it when he went back to the WWF later in 97. But even that wasn't that great. But it would have been better him dressed like that than wearing the same damn thing he wore in the WWF before jumping ship. Man, it was trash. It, it, it was trash. It just didn't make sense. Uh, I like how Dusty called Mongo McMichael. He called him Mac Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Mongo Mac Michael. So I thought that was funny. Uh, the match here, nothing special. Uh, just a match. Um, Mongo defeated Jeff Jarrett, though, to become the United States champion. So now, mm. Mongo McMichael, Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, all pro, also WCW United States champion. How about that? Thanks to some inadvertent interference from Eddie Guerrero, who yeah. in this match is considered, of the three people in this match, who is considered the gr- among the greatest of all time? <laughs> Eddie De- Guerrero. Deborah? Oh, no. Stop Eddie. it. Stop it. Stop it. But <laughs> Eddie Guerrero, but he's just third fiddle to Mongo and Jeff Jarrett. How crazy is that? That is. And I don't even remember why he was involved in here. I don't remember if he had anything going on with Mongo or Jared. I guess Mongo because he was trying to hit him. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of weird. And definitely wasn't expecting that watching because uh, I watched this live when it aired in 97. I taped it. It was one of my uh, very cherished VHS tapes. But um, for the life of me, I could not figure out why they had Mondo win here. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> even, I was even like, even though he's a four horseman, like he just doesn't scream champion to be, let alone but, U.S. champion. But how many times? How many people can say that they were a Super Bowl champion and a United States champion? <laughs> yeah. And not like he was a practice squad guy on the Super Bowl champs. He was like a starter <laughs> for the '85 Bears. Right, like he was right. nice. Like that's yeah. he played in the Super Bowl, <laughs> like <laughs> won that thing, and t- twelve years later won the United States title. That's a pretty cool life to live, I think. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I just don't know why they decided to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Still a trash wrestler. Still very trash. Um, Deborah, who was Mongo McMichael's wife, tried to get him back right after the match. She was, <laughs> was turned. She turned on him. That was great. Turned on him to go with Jeff Jarrett, who eventually became a tandem in WWE. But right after Mongo won the title, she goes, oh, I always knew you had it in your sugar. I always knew you had it in your baby. Mongo was like, not that easy. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was funny. As soon as he won, I knew you had it in here the whole time. Get out of here. I'll never be a fan of how, you know, commentary was like, oh, we got domestic problems here, but uh, <laughs> that, I mean, what? I would never want to, you know, go into that territory. Who but was domestic about that? They, he just uh, walked away from it. <laughs> but that, I, I don't forget who said it. I don't know if it was Bobby or Tony. I don't think it was Dusty, but um, as they, you know, panned the camera back and, you know, they were. They I, I remember him saying about, it. Yeah. So I remember I just, somebody saying it. I'm like, man, she was like, like why? why? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Like they're not even arguing right now because, like you said, right. Mago already walked off. So <laughs> domestic. <laughs> and then Deborah was in the ring with like Jeff Jarrett commiserating, like, "Oh man, <laughs> like, hey, so nothing domestic about this." Yeah. Mongo's like, "Nope, I'm out." But uh, up next, we got an interview with the goat Gene Oakland. He interviews Alex Wright, 
who I think was lit back in 97. I would have partied with Alex Wright. Hopefully there wasn't too many um, crazy <laughs> drugs at some of those parties, but just to party and dance, like Alex Wright seemed like it would have been a good, it would have been a fun time. I don't know about you, but yeah, that's just well. Me. You want to know why? It's funny you say that. Guess who was a big proponent of Alex Wright in WCW in 1997? Who was that? Woo! The Nature Boy, Rick oh, well, Flair. He, he probably partied with Alex Wright a lot. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why Alex Wright got all these promos and a uh, big push. And but my favorite part about these promos, because, I mean, they're so similar from week to week. I posted one a while ago where, you know, he's on, G- me and Gene's interviewing him on Nitro, and he's like, first I talk to my fans who I care about and then I talk to the people who I could care less about like that that was his thing and I was like what what just stop and he was talking about his match against the Ultimo Dragon later tonight and he said I'm gonna drag his body from one corner of Nashville to the other (laughs) (laughs) all right he tried to make a dragon like joke you know trying to make a, a pun and I'm like man Alex Wright why was he a heel, man? He would have been hilarious. I mean, he was, he was a, great. He was a baby face uh, at first, but then he, when he turned heel, I was like, man, I want to cheer for this guy. Like, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome, right? Who could hate Alex Wright? And his he's and his, dan- his dance was great. Like the whole right? the, cra- <laughs> the crowd was, was doing it. Even as a heel, Bro, the crowd was doing it. Like that's a TikTok um, waiting to happen today. <laughs> Alex Wright's dance. If if we get some seventeen year old kids to look get, look up videos of Alex Wright. And do his dance. They would do it. I'm telling you, Alex Wright's dance was dope. Like I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm telling you. I swear. I, I was Alex a fan Wright's of the music. Be, I, I like the theme. I was like, yeah, okay. it was dope. Everything was dope. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. He, his dance would be a viral sensation if it would just somebody, one person, just start doing it. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of catchy. Oh, it's easy and simple. Oh, and it's got a rhythm to it. Yeah. Like, I'm doing it right now. Like it's. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> I can tell that you are because your voice is fluctuating. Yeah, you, I'm, I'm moving up and down from the mic, you know. <laughs> uh, one thing I didn't like about this promo, though, was Gene Oakland's insistence that oh, yes. uh, Alex Wright speak English. You're yeah, in America, was, pal. That <laughs> speak was bad. English. That was bad. And he did that a like lot, that. especially with Alex Wright. Like He did that a lot. And Sonny Ono and stuff like that. Like, he, would, he would berate them. It's like, come on, Gene, relax. Right. Like, it's not their first language, Gene. It's all right. He's still the goat, though, because I, I liked yeah. the fact that he could at least ask like follow up questions, which I, you know, right, right. You know, I, I like that. Which WWE people do not. Um, <laughs> after this, we got a paid considerations thing, which I didn't know they were still allow on WWE Network because oh, Motel Six gets a free it's, ad. It's hilarious. Arm and Hammer gets a free ad. Tootsie Pops gets a free ad. Like, like yeah, okay. Low fat and delicious. There you go. Yeah. So. <laughs> then we go to Gene Oakland, who's on set. They have a set status. They have a set set up to the side of the big stage of Dinner in a Movie. Remember that show? Oh, I remember it well. I never watched it, it was, but I just remember the commercials. You remember the commercials all the time. But they would for for those too young to remember. Uh, Dinner in a Movie was actually a pretty fun show. It was a pretty fun concept. They would have a movie. They would air a movie on TBS, and of course, it's like, you know, the TV version. But in between, you know, coming in and out of commercial breaks, they would go to back to the dinner and the movie set where somebody would be cooking, and in this case, it was Claude Mann, cooking a meal that was based off the movie somehow. They'll kind of give it a punny type of name, and, um, you know, it's like, 
it's wild to think about because it seems like a, sh- a show that wouldn't work today, but it worked for some reason in the '90s, and it they kept it up until like 2011. Dinner in the movie. Yeah, it was it was like, well, I didn't know it lasted that long. Yeah, but um, it was in its third you know, season, I think. Uh, by the time this show, uh, yeah, it started in '95 yeah. and ended in 2011. It's like that's quite the run. Yeah, for this show, but also maybe think about Emerald. You ever see Emerald Lagasse's show back in the day? Of course not. Okay, well, for those <laughs> too young to remember this as well, I don't know why it made me think about this because live cooking shows don't really happen that much no more. You see like cooking competitions and stuff like that. Something that's really cheap to make and not a whole lot of like involvement. You can just have a soundstage and cook. Emerald Lagasse was a live like late night talk show with a chef who would cook for like a table full of people and had a live studio audience and a live band <laughs> like Jay Leno, but with a chef. And it was like, this show had to be hella expensive, and, but it was actually pretty fun to watch. Like I liked Emerald back in the day and he just come out, bam, and throw stuff on the, on the food. And when we come back, another notch, kick it up a notch. And he'd say another notch and just keep going. <laughs> so many notches. And it's, by the end, you're like, I, I'm, I'm notched out. Like I can't, I can't notch anymore. You know, there's too many notches. And the food, everybody loved the food. But he served the food to everybody. They'd be like, oh, my God, it looks so good. They'd be like something they've never even had before. They don't even care. They don't even know what it tastes like. But they're like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's like, you don't like that food. You don't like what he just cooked for you. But it was great. <laughs> it's a great show, uh, Emma Lagasse. But one of the hosts of Dinner in the Movie named Paul Gilmartin, he was a guy that later in the show gets hit with a diamond cutter. Uh, he was a comedian who hosts to this day, uh, an award-winning podcast called The Mental Illness Happy Hour. So, shout out to Paul Gilmartin. Okay. So, yeah. You know, it's one of the top self-help podcasts out there on iTunes. So, Good for him. Uh, I did so not know So, if you're that. listening to this, Paul, give us a shout out and so bump us up those rankings too. Yeah. Shout out to Paul Gilmartin. But, uh, moving on, we get... An ECW match. <laughs> no, wait a minute. This is WCW. I'm sorry. So this is. <laughs> it's funny you said that, but uh, my favorite part of that dinner in a movie promo was uh, them saying they were cooking big jerk chicken, and Gene was like, "I know all about jerk chicken." <laughs> Gene always always Dude, with the really? one liner, dirty, dirty old man. Oh, that was a dirty one-liner. joke. Yeah, because oh. uh, I guess I... they were promo uh, setting the stage for the movie i guess they were showing the jerk with steve martin steve martin and uh, yeah. so they were cooking Great big movie, jerk by the way big jerk chicken that's one movie i saw by the way a long time ago i don't even remember what you. it was about <laughs> wow get it together <laughs> but uh yeah mean gene saying i know all about jerk chicken it's like oh my goodness gene 11 year old me i'm like okay why did he say that that makes no sense. Thirty-one year old me was like, "Oh, that's a that's interesting." <laughs> <laughs> I, he knows about jerk chicken, apparently. Okay. okay, all right, good for him. He's he's a man of culture. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, now, <laughs> he did mention jerk and chickens later on. So he yeah, did. okay, I get it. Now. He did. He did. Uh, but it, I think it's funny that you call this an ECW match because that's kind of what it, it felt like. It was, but they didn't want to mention ECW. That's the funny thing. It's like, oh, there's, they got history together. Okay, what kind of history? Raven, he's he's been a champion everywhere he's been. Where <laughs> has he been? <laughs> oh, he's 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 not signed by WCW. He he has, doesn't have a contract. Right. They, you know, and they, they alluded to all this stuff, but didn't really go into detail because they just didn't want to mention ECW. Uh, I guess, but uh, they, Raven and Stevie Richards is what we're talking about. We didn't identify that. <laughs> uh, but Raven versus Stevie Richards. Uh, Pretty much a normal match. Outside of the fact that I did not know this until this match, that uh, Shivani said 
that Raven had so many surgeries on his ankle that one of his feet was shorter than the other. And mm-hmm. then they shot one of his boots, which is literally like an inch higher than the, like, had it like an yep. a, a inch higher sole on it. So it could, I guess, match the other boot. And it was like, whoa, I didn't even notice that. I never knew that about Raven. No, I I saw it that night and I was like, oh, how about that? And I thought the same thing. And that's another reason why Tony Giovanni is great. And the fact that the camera is lined up with that to show exactly what he's talking about is what I loved about WCW and, and really wrestling back in that era because. You know, they told you something and then they showed you, and it kind of hammered home the point. If you if you didn't get it, then you just weren't paying attention. But um, you know that I said the same thing. I was like, I never knew that about Raven, and the, you know the fact that he had the boot and everything, and it kind of made me feel sorry for him. <laughs> you know, he, right. he he wasn't exactly a character that was made to gain sympathy. But when they were talking about that, I was like, man, I hope Raven wins now. Well, he did. He did. Uh, he hit Stevie Richards with the even flow DDT and won. Uh, another thing Shivani said during the match, though, was that Raven had his tongue pierced. He just seemed, Shivani just seemed disgusted by this. <laughs> 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 what would drive, he literally said, quote, what would drive a man to do that? Because <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, this is the 90s, so somebody having a tongue pierce is like a wild thing. Like, whoa, tongue <laughs> pierce. And it's mostly like, I guess some people mostly thought women got their tongue pierced. Right. Uh, and and if women had a tongue pierce, it had to be for a specific reason, right? 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 We're not gonna get into that, but this is when like Wait, you had you a mean tattoo. Gene, come in, like, mean Gene, come in. <laughs> mean Gene knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but you know, if you had a tattoo, it was like whoa, crazy person, and and definitely if you had a yeah. tongue pierce, it's like wow, this person's out there. Um, so yeah, I thought that was funny. Um. What would drive a man to do that? Like, what has he been through to, to get his tongue pierced? <laughs> um, <laughs> after this match, we get a commercial for the power plant oh. with quote unquote reviews of the power plant from Life magazine, <laughs> <laughs> calling it the gr- the Harvard of pro wrestling. <laughs> All right. I'm sure Dude, that was a real quote. Eric Bischoff hated the power plant. It was hilarious. Like he he was talking about how he hated the graphics and how they marketed it. But I mean, he didn't do a better job to try and market it. So it, it is what it is. But um, <laughs> it just made me laugh listening back to eighty three weeks and him saying how much he hated you know that commercial. It's like, well, then do do better. Or maybe he just wasn't a fan of you know having a, a school. I, I don't know. That's funny. They also Life had magazine. a good review from. They also had a good review from Good Morning America, oh. which I highly doubt happened. <laughs> and at the end of the commercial, they dubbed it the number one wrestling facility in the world. <laughs> which I mean, at that point, maybe it was true. I mean, what was around back then as far as wrestling schools? I guess it was the New Japan Dojo around. Uh, was know. the Monster Factory around? I mean, I think the Monster Factory was around technically. I don't know. Uh, hmm. Shout out to. Uh, Danny Cage, um, but the WWF didn't have like a school, like a f- specific school back then. No. Uh, maybe uh, you know they sent people to I think the Funkin' Dojo or something like that, or Calgary to the Dungeon. But so maybe they were right. I don't uh, know. Maybe who did the power plant actually produce though? Goldberg, DDP, uh, the Giant, the Maybe one the that giant? outlast, the one that outlasted them all. Who, I think, he also could, at least according to the Monster Factory, he was there too. So, yeah, yeah. 
I'm so not, that's that. Well, let me see. I'm, I'm not sure that. I mean, he might have only been there for a short amount of time. Because I remember. Sure. Uh, I do remember watching some uh, commercials where, what was it, Sergeant Craig the Pitbull Pittman or whatever. Sarge. <laughs> yeah. That's what they called him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So I have, uh, okay, the sportster.com. Okay. The sportster.com. Uh, Big Show is actually 10th. <laughs> they have like the top 10 that came out. But yeah, Goldberg's on there, DDP, and then Daphne, if you remember Daphne. I remember Daphne. Uh, they say Triple H, but so I guess. From the, the power plant? Yeah. I guess the okay. power plant was open for a while, huh? Before they started like really marketing it, Canyon. Yeah, I thought I don't remember him being in a power plant. Uh, Canyon, the Hurricane, Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson, and David Flair. So that's the Sportster. But yeah, the big show outlasted them all. Mm. There you go, <laughs> the power plant. Uh, moving on. To Alex Wright's match against Ultimo Dragon. Now, they called him the Ultimate Dragon at certain points. Now, mind you, this is for the WCW World Television Championship. Ultimo Dragon is the World Television Champion. And Alex Wright is challenging. But they ran his video package before the match. Explaining kind of why everybody kept calling him Ultimate Dragon. And it kind of, they said because he's affiliated with Japan and Mexico. He's Japanese, but he, he wrestled a lot in Mexico and he's, you know, he wrestled a lot in the United States. That it got lost in translation. And that because he was the last student of Bruce Lee, according to Ultimo Dragon, uh, that's why he became Ultimo Dragon, not the Ultimate Dragon. Which I tried to look up and see if he was actually the last student of Bruce Lee. And he was, he's not. That's not <laughs> true at all. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. Um, but, uh, so yeah, Ultimo Dragon, dope, by the way, uh, you know, winner of the J crown had like 10 titles at once, uh, down to one title here at the world television championship. Uh, but we had Mike Tanay on commentary. He's always the Lucha Libre guy. He can explain the moves, explain the wrestlers and their backgrounds and whatnot. But probably the best part of the match Happened before the match. And Nick, you tweeted this out on the Shooters Radio account. Ultimo Dragon's going to the ring. He stops on the ramp. He's like, yeah, ha-ha, I'm Ultimo Dragon. And he crosses his arms. Right? He's like waiting for the pyro. He's waiting for something. You can tell he's waiting for something. He's like pumps his fist. Like, okay, yeah. Okay, never mind. I'll, I'll just keep going. And he takes like three more steps. And then boom, 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 boom. And Ultimo Dragon goes, ha ah! <laughs> It turns around and goes, what the hell, man? Like, he was pissed. <laughs> he felt that heat. <laughs> he, was, I mean, he was just so mad. It's like, bro, like, you don't, for one, you don't do it on time. And then you do it, and it scares the hell out of me. He's not like a chump before I even get into the ring. Like, come on. <laughs> Cut me a break. Uh, Bruce Lee wouldn't have done that. He would have walked, <laughs> he, he walked right through it. <laughs> he would have been like water. Be like water, right? Don't worry about it. <laughs> So Bruce Lee would have taught you if you were Bruce Lee's actual student, but you wasn't, you know. But um, <laughs> so that was funny. It reminded me of Ultimo Dragon's one and only WrestleMania appearance. 
Right, Which I totally, I totally forgot this happened. By the way, oh, I remember you know, with like my wrestling day. knowledge and how much stuff I remember from back in the day. But holy crap, I totally forgot he made this appearance. For one, it's easy to forget that Ultimo Dragon was in WWE. Yeah. In 2002, 2003, 2004, around that range, yeah. he was in SmackDown. Here comes the pain. You can play as Ultimo Dragon in a WWE video game. Wild, so right? Weird. It is very. This is wild. It's like what you could do that, <laughs> but he made an appearance at least as far as I think that was his only one. Right, WrestleMania twenty in the Garden. Big deal, right? Like this is Ultimo Dragon in the Garden WrestleMania, and had this stupid cruiserweight open match, which they probably shouldn't have done. But he comes out and they had the flames going, and for whatever reason, it was something slippery on that floor, <laughs> on that top of that <laughs> ramp, which was like a screen. The ramp was like a screen that year. It's like a, a LED yeah. board type of thing. Yeah. And he walks out really fast and ate it. Boom. <laughs> slipped. He got right back up. But it was like, oh, mm. that's it. Yep. <laughs> Can't have that moment back. <laughs> so, yeah. Ultimo Dragon. He's had, he's had, he's had his issues with uh, entrances on, on for big stages, big matches <laughs> in his day. Uh, but he didn't have issues with wrestling. <laughs> you know, he was still really good. Yeah. At wrestling, him and Alex Wright had a really good match. Yeah, he uh, one of the first I remember seeing like the kicks, the quick kicks, and you know, uh, kicking in the in the in the stomach and then doing a back kick to trip him up. I thought he was like one of the coolest. You know, it, it, he was different than Rey Mysterio, and you know, Rey Mysterio didn't do like those quick quick kicks. He was more a high flyer aerial risk, and Ultimo Dragon did the high flying, but he also did like the. The martial arts, you know, inside the ring, and I, I thought that was really cool. I was a big fan of his back uh, during this time frame. Yeah, he was. He, <clears throat> excuse me, he was dope. Like he was really good ahead of his time. I mean, a lot of these guys, a lot yeah. of doors were ahead of their time because a lot of people weren't doing it. That's what made them special. Exactly. Now, everybody's doing it, <laughs> so yeah. it's not special anymore. Right. But back then, it was. Uh, it was very, very special. And Ultimate Dragon was dope. One thing I noticed, though, was that as far as the commentary, because there were four people on commentary. Of course, you had Dusty, Shivani, Heenan, and Tanay who joined specifically for this match and in the other uh, Lucha match later on the show. There were four people on commentary, but it didn't feel like it was like annoying mm-hmm. to hear. They just were professional. They didn't argue with each other. They didn't try to talk over each other. They didn't bicker with each other. It was just like... And I would not be a proponent of four people on a commentary team ever. I don't even like three people teams. I prefer two people. But it's like WWE feels like everybody has to be combative and arguing and shouting and yelling. And it's just like, no, just just be professional. Like the announcers don't have to be a part of the story every time. They should tell the story. And it's just like, oh, this is not bad. And it sounds like this is like a normal commentary team, but it's got four people on it. I just found it interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I did, didn't even realize there were four people on there because, you know, I wasn't paying that close of attention. And uh, so that means they did a pretty damn good job if I don't notice that there's four people on there. <laughs> My favorite part right. was uh, after the match and Bobby Heenan just, it's, it's so random. He just goes, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> after Alex Wright wins and Dusty Rhodes is like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Like, why are you saying, oh, yes? And he, Bobby Heenan was like, what a great win. What a, what a, 
great win. And Tony Schiavone agreed with him. It's like, wait, what's going on here? The heel one. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? But to me, it added that kind of realism to it that even though Alex Wright's a jerk, uh, these commentators appreciate what he does in the ring. And uh, that's the legitimacy I'm talking about when I appreciate what Tony Schiavone does on commentary. And, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to hate Alex Wright, but I can appreciate his skill. And it didn't really take away from anything. You know, it didn't make him less over. It didn't make him more. Uh, maybe it made him more over. I don't know. But you know, that that's the WCW in 97 that I just fell in love with. And that's what I was hoping AEW would be now. But it's not. <laughs> and they drove... <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> they drove the story home, though, as far as, like, Alex Wright needing to focus and stop yeah. dancing. Just, yep. you know, get focused and win instead of trying to showboat all the time. Mm-hmm. Which is, hey, it's a story that the announcers were telling. You don't see it too often. So, moving on. We have a commercial from the public enemy selling merchandise. (laughs) And it's a commercial. When did the public enemy get to WCW? 95, I think. So by ninety seven they were in merch commercials? They were doing like Oh, they weren't even important by ninety seven, but I remember like ninety five, ninety six they were on T V a lot. Damn. Yeah. Well, they were getting paid. Because uh I, I think I remember them I don't remember if they had a TV match with WWF, but I w- I would get like those magazines and whatnot. And they were uh I think Inside Wrestling was one of them. And they were talking about how Public Enemy had a match in WWF or something like that. And this was already after they debuted in WCW. So I'm like, wait, what? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and because uh, I, I thought they were going to WWF. Maybe they did have a match. I could have sworn I saw them at wrestle a WWF match, but then boom, I'd see them in WCW. So um, it was kind of cool. They'd come back to Philly and they would kind of always have like that street fight with Public Enemy. And Public Enemy would generally always win. Someone would always go through a table. So <laughs> uh, that's what I remember the most about them. I don't remember these Nitro backpack commercials. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got for Public Enemy, huh? <laughs> that's all I got. There you it, go. it, it, it was funny, this commercial. They were selling a Nitro backpack, and they were trying to, you know, show how indestructible it was, and they were trying to rip it apart. And I'm just like... That, so corny, but made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Moving I got on. Nothing. <laughs> Moving on. Jericho and Eddie Guerrero for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Chris Jericho in full white meat babyface mode, and boy was he trash. <laughs> and so was his music. Now he physically, him in the ring wasn't trash. His character. Very trash. And his music, very trash. But one thing I noticed about this match was that, like, wait a minute, this match is for the Cruiserweight title, but yet the match between Alex Wright and Ultimo Dragons for the TV title? Like, these guys are bigger, <laughs> both bigger than them. Like, <laughs> shouldn't this be the other way around? Like, yeah. Yeah. that felt that felt odd. These guys are, like, obviously in the future, they're both world heavyweight champions, but, like, they look much bigger than Ultimo Dragon and Alex Wright. <laughs> and these are the Cruiserweights? <laughs> Didn't make sense to me. Yep. Also, I noticed on Jericho's entrance, was there a mascot behind him? What the hell was that? 
Yes, and I don't know. So they were in Nashville, and there weren't really like any Nashville mascots, I think. So that was probably that WCW mascot. Didn't they have like a mascot sometimes? I don't know. Uh, yeah, Wildcat Willie. Oh boy, that's who that was. Okay, but I, I did notice that, and uh, also Jericho's theme on the WWE Network was not dubbed over with his "Break the Walls Down." So it's one of the very right, few appearances some... you'll see on the WWE, WWE Network, at least, of Chris Jericho with uh, his old WCW theme. <laughs> some trash music, um, <laughs> at least it's babyface music. Wildcat Willie though looked like a big hairy Macho Man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what am I looking at here? And they changed him up a little bit. But like he was just standing there, like just cheering people on. Like that, they, yeah. they did not need a mascot. What's, what's the well, point? Well, I mean, maybe he jumped on a trampoline in the ring during commercial breaks. I don't know. <laughs> oh, this was before okay. the Nitro Girls, I believe, or because I don't. Well, maybe it wasn't because the Nitro Girls debuted in July of this year, so it was a little after the debut of the Nitro Girls. But you can't have the Nitro Girls on Clash of the Champions. Well, it makes sense. You'd have to call them Clash of the Champions Girls. Clash of the Champions Girls. That's a little bit clunky. Oh, absolutely. You can call them Clash Girls. They could. I actually think they wound up using them on pay-per-views anyway and Thunder. So and I don't know why they kept calling them Nitro Girls, but whatever. Mm, they started on Nitro. So. Could have been the WCW Girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's Nitro Girls sounds a little more. I mean, Nitro edgy. Girls does sound pretty cool. But <laughs> maybe they have it. Hire two dance teams. Have one for Thunder, one for Nitro. The Thunder. Oh, spend Thunder more Girls. money. <laughs> Let's spend more money. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Wildcat Willie, though. I'm still sticking about Wildcat Willie. Because <laughs> I saw him, I was like, "What the hell is going on back there?" Um. I mentioned the cruiserweights thing being them being bigger than yeah. uh, the TV title guys. For one part of the match I thought was funny was when Jericho hit like a flurry of offense, and Eddie Guerrero was just like, "Oh no!" and crawled on his knees toward over to the ref, <laughs> like pointed at Jericho, like he's beating me up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, he was great. Um, Cody's back, then, by the way. Huh? How about that? Who's that? Cody Rhodes is back with black hair. Okay. Oh, yeah, good good job getting rid of the, the blonde hair. <sighs> um, getting rid of that. Uh, Jericho hit a big swing, which <laughs> left Eddie Guerrero bleeding. Was he bleeding before that? Like, like, all of a sudden, I, I saw blood running no down clue. the side of his head. I have no clue. I don't know where and the funny part, though, was Eddie Guerrero, who is, I'm sure, legitimately dizzy, but he was also like putting stuff on top of it, like selling on top of that, and he's like reaching for the rope, but it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but the match was good. It was a very good match. Uh, Jericho wins after a bunch of pin attempts and <laughs> retains the Cruiserweight Championship. But because he's a white meat babyface, he's an idiot, apparently. Didn't see Eddie Guerrero coming, and Eddie Guerrero whooped his ass after the match. <laughs> and what's funny is Eddie Guerrero wound up winning the Cruiserweight title like a week or two later. Of course. Because <laughs> why not? Because why not? It's not built to that. Let's just have him win. Yeah. Come on. And then uh, they, that had other a re- Lucha- they had a rematch at Fall Brawl, and Eddie won that one. It's like, okay, geez. All right. <laughs> Damn, Jericho. Getting buried. Why not? <laughs> uh, the other Lucha match I was referring to is happening here. We had an eight-man tag. We got Psychosis, 
Viano 4, Viano 5, and Silver King against Super Kahlo, Juventud Guerrero, Lismark Jr., and Hector Garza. Uh, Lucha Libre rules. Yeah, trio, essentially trios rules, which means you don't necessarily have to tag anybody. But because it's eight people, was it quattros, not trios? Hmm? I thought they just said Lucha Libre rules. That's fair. I just <laughs> made a stupid joke, and I'm dumb. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed that. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, you know, come on. Yeah. Help me out. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, Quattro rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, I found it funny that Sonny Ono took a picture of <laughs> Silver King and the, and the boys before the match. It's like, Dude, okay, he cracked me up with that. Like, I love that gimmick. It just cra- it made me laugh. Especially Every back time. in the day with the with the old school cameras, and you got to like wind <laughs> yeah. the film up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait a second, it's the Flash. Hold on a second. Let me get, yeah, let me get the, let me get the, the Flash. I would have loved them to sell the Flash. Like that would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and the wrestler gets mad. Come on, man! I got a match. Like, let's go. <laughs> and he winds the film up. Those cameras back in the day. How yeah. do you do it? Yep. No so, idea. So the matches is what you expect. We got a lucha match. People flying around, doing a lot of moves. Uh, not easy to keep up with for Bobby Heenan, who called Silver King Sky King. Mm. And <laughs> he was quickly corrected by Tanay and Shivani. They called him Silver King. And <laughs> Bobby goes, does it matter? Does it really matter? And Dusty's like, well, it matters to Miss King. <laughs> 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 well, it matters to Miss King. Or something oh, like that. Oh, man. This Commentary so, team is awesome. Stupid. Love it. Stupid. That was pretty funny. <laughs> well, it matters to Miss King, baby. <laughs> um, but I didn't oh, realize great. that. I, I, I kind of I vaguely remember this, but I didn't realize Silver King died last year during yeah. the ring during the match yeah. with Hooventude. Yep. It, I remember seeing that, and uh, yeah, I just I, I I don't know if he. And, what was it a heart attack in the ring? And uh, yeah. I don't he's know. Only Fifty-one years old. If and they, you know, he's not the first one, and they always try to keep the match going. And it's just like, nah, man, like you have to. It's just one of the craziest things because when when you see the video, and uh, you know, it's just you're, you're my whole like thought process changed, and I'm like I see it in text. It's like what Silver King, you know, had a heart attack in the ring or whatever, and it's like. And then when I see it, see the video, it's like, it just, it's it's crazy. I don't know yeah. how to put it in the words. And, uh, you know, it just sucks seeing that happen and seeing, you know, everyone try to continue the match. And it's like, well, you know, something's wrong. Like, just try to get help right away. I saw, oh, man, who was it? A few years ago, broke his neck in the ring and wound up uh, passing away. Uh, I don't know. Paraguayo. Yeah, it was... Uh, Throwing a match with Rey Mysterio Jr. And it's yeah. like crazy, man. And I hate seeing stuff like that. So rest in peace, Silver King. Yeah. Rest in peace, Hector Garza. Yes. Who also died in twenty thirteen. Yeah. So uh, a lot of young, yeah, young. It's unfortunate. A lot of rest in pieces on this show. Rest in peace shout outs mm-hmm. because uh again, we talked about it with Animal. You know, guys back in the day, for whatever reason, they just didn't live to be you know up in eight seventies eighties you know mm-hmm. live a full mm-hmm. life uh a lot of these guys tra- passed away tragically we're not you know for every gene oakland who lived to like i think i think until his 80s mm-hmm. he wasn't a wrestler so 
I guess that helped, but you got a lot of guys Howard, like Animal Howard or Finkel. Hawk or, I don't know how old Howard Finkel yeah, he was, was up there. he passed away. So Yeah, he was up there pretty up in age, but like mm-hmm. you got a a Hawk or Kurt Hennig, who we'll see mm-hmm. later on. You got a um Ultimate Warrior. You got, you know, all these guys who Rick Rude, you know, the list can go on and on. So it's sad yeah. and so rest in peace like the Garza, rest in peace the Silver King, which again just passed away last year. He's fifty one years old, man. Mm-hmm. You know, dying in the ring. So that's that's terrible. So rest in peace. And for those who care to know, Psychosis teams won. Uh, so Silver King won on this night. So there's that. Uh, but let's make an awkward transition again for like the fifth time in this show uh, to another segment of Dinner in the Movie. TBS pushing this show pretty hard. And they're saying stuff that's not sitting well with Gene Oakland. He's like, what the... What, what the hell are you talking about? What's going on here? And eventually they reveal that they have joined the New World Order because, <laughs> because it's the New World Order's birthday. And they're oh. celebrating it at Clash of the Champions. And they got a cake and they rip off their shirts. And they got their, their Macho Man and W.O. shirts. And Gene Oakland is pissed. He can't believe it. What? Are you going to talk about us? Who do you think you are? Why did you go drink your own chicken? And I was like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> What are you talking about? He said. What do you? What do you? He said. What do you you're, mean? You're here on behalf of WCW, and we're a great organization. And frankly, this is a slap in the face. <laughs> he was livid. <laughs> slap in the face. And that's what makes Gene Oakland so good because he actually had emotion. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Where the interviewers today don't. No. You know, so that's a shame. But Gene Oakland was a goat for that reason. Um, eventually, Macho Man comes out, cuts the promo. Uh, they cut some footage of him being a guest on Dinner in the Movie, uh, which, again, popular show back in the day on TBS. Yeah. And Macho Man was on there. So they're doing the, the heavy cross promotion here. Um, then they they show the cake, and all of a sudden you see these random hands come out of nowhere and start lighting it up. <laughs> it's like four people <laughs> lighting each candle. And, of course, they're not just regular candles. They're sparklers because yeah. this is WCW. And when they do pyro, boy, did they do pyro. So, have you seen Kevin Nash's entrance from that one time? <laughs> he was WCW <laughs> champion. Yeah. And it was like the fireworks went off for 10 minutes straight. Um, so, of course, they don't got to have normal candles. No, they're going to have sparklers, baby. So, they have sparklers in a cake. I don't want sparkles, like hot sparkles, sparklers, whatever, flying down on my cake, yeah. man. Like, yeah. It's just I feel like not edible. Come on. I feel like it wouldn't make my cake taste good. That looked like no. a good cake, like a good chocolate way, cake they had there. By the way, where the hell did Randy Savage go? He completely disappeared. <laughs> you don't <laughs> really mess with them dudes like that. <laughs> he once they showed the promo, he was like, "I'm out." Like they showed the dinner, <laughs> di- his his appearance on dinner in the movie, and like during while we were watching that, he just left. He's like, "All right, peace." Bounce. I got a match to prepare for. I'm out. But uh, <laughs> eventually DDP comes out and trashes the whole set. Yeah. Dude, the way he walked around with the smile and chewing gum cracked me up. I was laughing out loud. Like he's, He did walk around like the <laughs> cock of a walk. Like, what was this walk he had? He's bobbing his head around, <laughs> bouncing around. Yeah. Just smiling <laughs> with, and chewing the gum ridiculously. Man, it was hilarious. Comically silly walk yes. that DDP was doing. Yes. Constantly bouncing as he walked, <laughs> you know, bopping his head back and forth. And then he gave Gil Martin 
the diamond cutter, and I think Gil Martin died that day and came <laughs> back the next day. <laughs> the way he sold it, he was yeah, dead. That was a great sell. That was a great it sell. It was. <laughs> yeah. Put him in a coffin. <laughs> like, he was gone. Oh, I love The other guy, Claude Mann, was like, yeah. I ain't taking no diamond yeah. cutter. He's at peace. I'm out. <laughs> he said, we're You're on your own, brother. <laughs> hey. DDP here? Oh, you're on your own. I'm getting into the diamond cutter. Because we'll see later on, the diamond cutter was being put over super strong yep. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the move in WCW at this point. This is this is pre-Goldberg. No no spear, no jackhammer yet. This, yeah, the they, diamond uh, cutter was the move. They did a whole angle uh, a few months before this with DDP diamond cutted uh, Randy Savage on the cement on the outside. And they made him do the whole stretcher job and neck brace and everything like that. Right. So, And I think that's when Sting came down and grabbed DDP and they both went up and then the rafters. That was a cool moment. But yeah, the diamond cutter <laughs> was the lethal move uh, now around this time. Right. And my favorite part was when Tony Schiavone <laughs> he says, this is why the big boys play here. <laughs> like, oh, Diamond Dallas Page gave a diamond cutter to a non-wrestler. This right. is why to the a, big boys play here. To a comedian with glasses. You would hurt a guy with glasses, would you? Bam! Diamond cutter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, what are you going to show me? Your cookie cutter? And then he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cookie cutter. That's kind of funny. I don't know why I thought I laughed at that. Your cookie but cutter. He, <laughs> and he, he threw something at him. And I'm just like, wow, this is kind of funny. Like, this guy's funny. But I know he's supposed to be a, a bad guy now. But it made me laugh. All the, funny. This whole thing made me laugh. I was a fan of it. And by yeah, the way, the, bur- the birthday, like... 13 months later like what the hell but whatever right like that did, they didn't start in august wasn't it like at bash at the beach what? yeah july yeah okay whatever so, this is the whatever. end of august so it's like they waited almost 14 months it's like what's going on man they couldn't count so <laughs> uh we get another promotional considerations thing with slim jim and lava soap i haven't seen a lava soap commercial in probably since 97 um <laughs> And then we get to Lee Marshall and the one hundred collect road thing on the road, whatever this was. Uh, Lee Marshall, though, who unfortunately passed away in 2014, uh, was a legendary voice actor, voice uh, voiceover person who did a lot of announcing also in wrestling. He was in AWA and WCW. But as far as voiceovers, he was legendary. And he was eventually the voice of Tony the Tiger. Did you know that? I believe I did, but uh, it's good to be reminded every now and again. Right, Lee Marshall. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. He was, he was a unsung hero of the wrestling business, I think. I think he's a, a guy that isn't celebrated enough today for being just super talented at what he did. So I definitely uh, remember rest in peace him. Lee Marshall. Yeah, rest in peace. I remember him. Uh, I think he was on those AWA shows that ESPN Classic aired years ago. Um, you know, I've remember seeing him at least here and there and i was like oh lee marshall i didn't know he was in the awa until i saw those shows so you know what's funny i just thought about why the hell did espn classic air awa shows because they <laughs> they originally would air on espn so i guess they had the rights to them or they oh, had, had them in the library sense. or something but that i remember i used to tape them because i this it was the first time i was watching awa because the wwe 24 7 on demand channel only had like AWA here and there they didn't have you know the collection they do on the network right now and you know these shows featured you know like Kurt Henning Nick Bockwinkel you know in, in their 
AWA Prime, you know, Scott Hall, stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was the latter like days of AWA. Yeah. yeah that's when they were at the showboat a lot in, yep. I think, Vegas, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, the Scott Hall, like, there's a big Scott Hall, Kurt, you know, Bachwinkle, all those guys. Yeah. Um, and Lee Marshall. He was, he was, yeah. he was dope. He was very good at what he did. I always enjoyed um, his banter with uh, Bobby Heenan in WCW. It made me laugh. <laughs> He'd always have like a weasel pun during those 1-800 collect reports. <laughs> 1-800 collect. Another <laughs> relic of a bygone era. Yeah. 1-800 collect. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We yeah. talked about like the the call lines, like the call numbers, like 10-10-220. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> 10-10-321 and yeah, 1-800 yeah, call ATT right down the middle with there you go. David I knew Arquette. it was something like ATT. Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> David Arquette, man. That's that's what I remember him oh my as. God. Right down the middle. This is like, and the thing is, like, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. It was like, these numbers were like into the 2000s. I'm thinking like, by 2000, no one used payphones anymore, right? And they're like, no, people still did. And it's like mm-hmm. 2001, 2002, when we would still see these commercials. Yep. And it's like, wow. Like, as much as it like don't seem like that long ago, it's really like forever ago at the yeah, same time. Like the world was so different back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had cell phones by that point, but we didn't, we didn't utilize them the way we do today. We didn't even no. really, you, we only used them kind of, well, at least I did only in case of emergencies. If, uh, you know, I was going to be home late or at some, you know, something like that. And texting right. wasn't even really a thing until, you know, 2002, 2003, well, when I started doing it at least. So, um, yeah, it was definitely even even though cell phones were around, uh, you know the collect numbers definitely kept racking up. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's just funny to see those. And it's like, damn, I, I didn't know they would they made it into the twenty first century. But they did. <laughs> um, next match though, we got a tag team match between NWO members Conan and Six. Of course, who's Sean Waltman. You know, he was six, he was X-Pac, he was six-Pac, he was one, two, three, kid. On this night, he's just six. They even uh, showcased his T-shirt at one point, uh, NWO, infomercial, commercial type of thing. <laughs> but they're going up against Ric Flair, of course, member of the Four Horsemen, and Kurt Hennig, who at this point was a quote-unquote free agent. And he was essentially being courted by the Four Horsemen. Uh, the match itself was pretty basic, nothing to see here, really. Kurt Hennig wins with the, they call it a freshman suplex, but we all know it as the perfect plex. Um, and after the match, they go up to him and say, hey, are you, you know, you, you know, Oakland goes up to him. Hey, you told me that you're going to, you know, make your announcement of you being in the four horsemen now. Are you going to make the announcement? And, you know, he's like, no. He's like, no what? No. <laughs> <laughs> and Ric Flair wants to know, and he just says no, and he walks off. So, uh, of course, we know how this plays out. Flair, or not Flair, Hennig joins the four horsemen. Turns into Four Horsemen and joins the NWO, right? He joined the NWO, correct? Yes. Right. So yeah, this I know is. I you uh, remember. This is this is big in your warehouse. Oh, absolutely. This is the highlight of my fandom in in this time frame. Uh, summer '97, Kurt Henning going there, uh, Flair courting him, and him kind of not wanting it, it. To me, it seemed like he just never really wanted to join. I was like. As a fan, I'm like, well, if he didn't join now, he's not joining. And then they had the Arn Anderson promo, and that was enough. And I still thought in the back of didn't my he, mind. Didn't Arn Anderson give him his spot? It wasn't yeah. just a spot. No, not my a spot. spot. Not a liver spot. <laughs> not my dog <laughs> spot. Not my dog spot. <laughs> my spot. Uh, and, and I thought all that was great, man. I fell for that stuff. It, 
even though I still, like I said, I I was 11, but I understood wrestling storylines. Uh, I knew how some things kind of developed. I didn't really know what what was fake and what wasn't, but I understood like you know what they showed me. I kind of understood. So with Hennig's like perfect acting, I was like, okay, so this is eventually going to end in him, you know, turning on Flair at some point, even after he joined the Horsemen. Uh, you know, apparently, according to Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks, Flair uh, Hennig was supposed to turn on Flair at the Clash of the Champions. Um, so that would have been interesting to see how that, uh, you know, went went about after the fact. Uh, if they would have had still had the War Games match or something like that, but maybe that's why they changed the War Games match a week <laughs> a week and a half out uh, to the Horsemen versus the NWO to have that turn happen because I thought that was one of the best War Games matches ever, just based on the story and and Hennig turning. Uh, one of my favorites, I should say, maybe not the best ever objectively. But for me, uh, my favorite, just because of the story and everything, I I was just so enamored by it. Uh, you know, WWF couldn't do anything at that point. To, you know, I was watching Nitro almost from beginning to end and just turning to Raw through the commercials. Uh, this is the height of my, the peak of my WCW fandom uh, around this show and in between Fall Brawl. So I was kind of like annoyed that <laughs> Hennig never didn't join it on this night. Um, you know, he... He threw X-Power 6 into Ric Flair at some point, and I was kind of wondering if he did that on purpose, that type of thing, uh, to kind of set up something down the road. But I don't, I don't know if they really did that uh, to telegraph a turn later on. I think they just kind of you know, went with the story after the fact with uh, him joining the Horsemen to take Art Anderson's spot. And I, I just thought everything was great in, in that story leading up to his turn. Uh, you know, everything after it was not good. But, uh, <laughs> you know, from, from here, you know, from when Hennig even came in and joined with DDP at Bash of the Beach and then kind of turned on him, I was like, ah, man, this guy's no good. <laughs> you know, they're, they're eventually going to turn him. But, you know, the way he was played up was, I just think, perfect uh, for me as a fan. And, uh, you know, him, Gene Oakland, trying to get the answer out of him and him saying no. And then he's like, well, you mean, no, you're not a horseman and no, you're not going to tell me. And he goes, that's right. And then he just stays. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's so hilarious. And Flair, like, chasing after him and stuff like that. And but he was like, I got no problem with you. Great match. We won. Like, raise his hand. I'm like, man, that's just looking back, you know, it was, it, it was like a who's who in WCW. Everyone was going over there. And even though WWF was pushing Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, weeks before this, he suffered that neck injury. So I guess, you know, we, the wrestling world wasn't sure if Austin would ever come back the same. Uh, if WWF, if Vince McMahon would be able to push him to WrestleMania, because I'm pretty sure at this point, he was pegged to, you know, win the title at WrestleMania, but it's crazy to think like they would, they would still have to wait so long to, you know, give him that moment. But, you know, WCW was at the top for me at this point, so uh, I loved everything about th this particular story. I think was my favorite uh, of anything. So definitely right up my alley, like you said, and uh, I just thought Fall Brawl was great, and everything after kind of just sucked, but. I really enjoyed that story. WCW so. had a they had a problem with like ending a story, and, like putting a nice little bow on it. Like they'll tell it the hell out of that story up until the end, yep. and in the end, it's just like uh, 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 Bret Hart beats him. <laughs> like what? Where did Bret Hart come from? 
<laughs> yeah, that because by January that whole feud was forgotten about. They didn't even have a blow off at Starcade because Flair apparently got hurt. They were gonna have like a steel cage match, and it's like, man, Starcade '97 would have been perfect if like the plans, the original plans that are were out there were followed. You know, you had Nash and the Giant. Uh, that would have been great. Uh, Lex Luger, Buff Bagwell, one on one. Ric Flair and Hennig uh, in a cage. You know, it, Starcade '97. That would have been dope. Could have been like amazing. And it, it they were building great. Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger even on this night when yeah. he goes up to him like he ain't buff. I'm buff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was you great. Know? Yeah, I love that. And you know them all coming out. You know, during uh, before that tag match and uh, was it. I guess it was after, yeah. We'll, we'll get to the. I just thought something was hilarious. Kevin Nash was hilarious, but we'll get to that later. Right. Um, <laughs> we'll get to it <laughs> yeah. before but, that. But definitely, Kurt Henning at this time frame, even before he joined the NWO, it was. I think as a fan, it had the most. Like it had my attention the most out of anything in ECW, anything in WWF, and anything in WCW. Kurt Henning and his, you know, whatever he was doing, uh, I was hooked. And I wasn't even like a big Mr. Perfect fan, even when he was a babyface. I think it was just the fact that he was wrestling again and after like years of not wrestling. And then, you know, in a marquee matches in WCW. And it just, it took my attention from everything. Well, the attention of the wrestling world was on the main event of this evening. But before we get to the match itself, we got to talk about the ring announcer, which for some reason, WCW <laughs> always shelled out the big bucks to use Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer now, probably the greatest ring announcer pretty much ever, right? I mean, he's in the pan. He's, if there's a Mount Rushmore, I would say him, maybe his brother, Bruce Buffer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Howard Finkel was dope. Oh, yeah. Obviously. And maybe the guy who does Showtime Boxing now. I don't know if you. I don't Not know if you've seen it, but he's pretty good. Uh, the guy who does Showtime boxing now, I believe, he does a lot. A lot of the Floyd fights. Um, but Michael Buffer is probably he's the most famous by far, right? He's got a whole catchphrase. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. But he is not cheap. This man is very, very rich because he charges a lot of money for make appearances to do these things. He charges anywhere between at least today, $25,000 to $100,000 per appearance, <laughs> which is like, I don't know what he was charging back in 97, but this he was in his prime. He was peak Michael Buffer. Like, he's probably getting, he, I'm sure he was kicked up at that point too, but why did WCW keep using him all, for Clash of the Champions? Like, <laughs> I can see if you use him for Starcade or maybe even like, Super Brawl? Was that like well, the second I'm, biggest show? Yeah, but he, he was invited to the NWO birthday party. But why? Clash of the Champions. It's not even a pay-per-view. This is a televised <laughs> show. Because this was the very last one. They didn't know that at the time, did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they knew Thunder was coming down the road, so maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe. Either way, Buffer is worth like $400 million. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. It's all like, about throwing money, uh, bringing in you know Clash of Champions girls. They could have done that. I don't know, man. It just didn't need buffer for every single show. Mm. By the way, he again he trademarked. He was on Nitro sometimes too. 
Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just cough up an extra twenty five grand for what? <laughs> I mean, not for what. He's great, but like, save him for special occasions. Come on. Um, <laughs> I like one at one point though. Before he really got into his whole thing, he said, talked about the NWO and WCW and the saga that they were on. He's like, the continue the continuing saga continues. It's like. <laughs> that don't make any sense, but all right, we got it. You're Michael yeah, Buffer. Yeah. Just say, let's get ready to rumble, and we good. We ready. <laughs> yeah. um, you mentioned the NWO coming out. They had all these balloons and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, just oh, so many balloons. It was <laughs> like, ridiculous. Dude, you see Randy Savage in, in the hall, in the aisleway. He's just looking at two balloons, and then he just pops them together. Like he was, he was just so angry that balloons were there, and he just popped. There were so them. many of them. They were <laughs> popping them like by yeah. the dozens before the match. All you hear is like them stand, like they're standing in the ring, and all you hear is pop, 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 pop. Like they're just standing there. It's like what? Who is shooting right now? Somebody's getting <laughs> shot. No, they're popping all these balloons. And then Vincent, he deflates one, and then he gives the for life side of the camera <laughs> man like deflating balloons for life for life baby <laughs> tough look how deflated oh, this balloon boy God. look how tough i am oh. um do you i don't remember the story around why kevin nash didn't wrestle in this match is, is your story behind I that i don't know but something tells me the after the match promo could give us a little bit of a hint as to why uh, he did not wrestle. Okay, well, he didn't seem in very good condition to uh, wrestle. Maybe, maybe he was. Uh, I think he's a little tipsy. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I guess. Uh, I don't know if it was a last minute thing or it was you know set up that way. So he just did what he did, but very weird. Oh, very we'll weird. See. I don't know. I I will say this: Kevin Nash in twenty twenty. I see you out here, Kevin Nash, fighting mm-hmm. a good fight. The mm-hmm. brother's woke. He, he's on the side of right. So, yep. uh, you know, pay homage to, you know, a woke, a woke well, he's not a brother, but you know, he <laughs> is, but not. But you know what I mean. <laughs> Kevin Nash, I hear you. I, 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 I bangs with you, Kevin Nash. Uh, I appreciate the support on, on, on these, uh, in, in the fight. On these, We need allies. More allies, obviously. We take all the allies. But, uh, uh, but, here he was in 20, 1997 saying, nope, <laughs> not wrestling. <laughs> Title match. Here we go. Uh, Nash, not wrestling, but Savage. Randy Savage and Scott Hall going against DDP and Lex Luger. You know what? Can, can I, I, I forgot I made a note uh, to go back to Michael Buffer and him saying this tag match is like no other in history. Like, like you were ta- <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> like, what? Come on, man. I, I forgot I wrote that down. <laughs> This is just like every other tag team match in history. <laughs> uh, I, I get he's trying to hype it up. That's what he does in every boxing fight because yeah. boxing matches don't happen that often. So it's like this is the biggest f- fight of all time. And it's like, oh, you might be right. In wrestling, they wrestle every week, man. Like We've seen this match before. We might have seen this exact combination of wrestlers before. We might have actually seen Hall and Savage versus uh, DDP and Lex Luger on a random Nitro in the past. <laughs> like, <laughs> So it's not like this is oh, like man. unforeseeable right. could possibly happen except it's one night type of stuff. I would have laughed. You probably if, saw it ten more times. I would have laughed if he was like, "Make sure you set your VCRs." <laughs> <laughs> That's basically you'll what probably he's saying. Never see it again. Yeah. Once in a lifetime, <laughs> world t- 
tag team title match. Let's get ready to rumble. Like what? What? <laughs> this don't make any sense. Uh, the fans hated the NWO, but they <laughs> loved them some Lex Luger, boy. And I feel like every week we talk about Lex Luger now. <laughs> this is becoming the Lex Luger show. Yeah. In that, how again? We had to reiterate. WWF, y'all screwed it up so bad in 93, man. Damn. Because <laughs> here in WCW, when he got the hot tag and he's in the ring and he's teasing the torture rack, people are losing their minds for Lex Luger. And it's like, what did y'all do, WWF? Vince man, what did you do? Y'all had it. Like This was even after Luger was made to look like an idiot for... Lose for winning the world title from Hogan and then losing it six days late or five days later at Road Wild. But you know, people were still all about him. Really... People liked Lex, man, yeah. in WCW at least. And WWF too, and WWE, man. I just, whew. it just goes to show how bad they messed it up. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, there's a little miscommunication. DDP can't for some reason just doesn't turn around when he hits a diamond cutter. He just backs into it. He hits uh, Luger by mistake. He yeah, Savage poked him in the eye, and then right. Hall throws uh, Luger into him, which is funny right. because it's like, well, wouldn't he just fall down instead of stand back up and then back up like just it, back up and it, the first person physically touches, it didn't make sense. Physically it did not make sense. But like he doesn't think to like turn around and see who that was. Well, just he like, can't. He can't see because he got poked in the eye. But he could have. He never turned around to see. Like, <laughs> That's right. Like, but diamond cutter's lethal, so, man. So wait, if you can't see, you just walk around backwards. Like, uh, yeah, I can't yeah. see, so I'm not even going to try to use these. You feel the long hair. You think it's savage, and you give him a diamond cutter. Well, he was wrong. That's the reason why he turned around <laughs> because he was wrong. This was he actually the bill. This was the first part of a actual like a few weeks storyline between DDP and Luger. If you remember that, well, he hit him with the yeah. diamond cutter, and again. Diamond Cutter is the move in wrestling right now. Yes. Because they the announcers were like, look, he hit him with that. All they got to do now is pin him. And Lex didn't move after getting hit with a Diamond Cutter. <laughs> and Dusty, because Dusty wanted, you know, DDP and Luger to win really bad because he's team WCW. He's like, oh, get him. Oh, no. He hit him with a Diamond Cutter, baby. <laughs> oh, said, no, baby. Dude, that's so sad. Uh, not even one second later. <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> as Luger was going down, he's like, he don't know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> he, don't know, he, he, don't, he don't know who he got. <laughs> he don't know, baby. Before, oh, no. Before Luger even hit the mat, he's like, he don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he got a bicycle. <laughs> he could have had a bicycle. Why did he do that? <laughs> What's even more egregious, though, is late, like on Nitro later on, Luger puts DDP in the torture rack when he can't see. It's like, what the hell? Like, D- DDP's head's right there. All you got to do is like turn and see it. And even feel his hair, like you don't know that's you don't know that's DDP that you're giving the torture yeah. rack. Like they did this weird thing with those two guys for a few weeks, and then they had a match, and it was just weird. But this was the beginning of that, you know, DDP diamond diamond cut cutter on Luger. Well, it could have been the end because apparently you you damn near dead when you hit the diamond cutter <laughs> back in '97. <laughs> Because I forget who rolled over and pinned Luger, but somebody did, yeah, and they pinned him, and they yeah. won. Yep. And, cause, and it was like a full like 40 seconds after he got hit with the diamond cutter. Yep. Lex didn't move, and they like I said, they, this is how they were really selling it like as the top move. Because, again, it was like a minute that went by 
before someone finally rolled over and pinned Luger and he stayed down. There was no dramatic kick out. He was done. Get hit with the diamond cutter, you will lose. And that's how they were selling it. So I thought that was pretty cool how they were doing that. Yep. But the NWO won. And there's there are flyers falling from the sky. And Dusty Rhodes hates it. He calls it propaganda. This is just yeah. nothing, nothing but propaganda, baby. That's how I learned uh, the meaning of propaganda. No lie. Nothing but propaganda. Which is like the world we're living in now. It's like, man. Yeah. Propaganda is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. So they go to commercial, they come back, and the NWO was in the ring. They're talking. Eric Bischoff was there, and they're celebrating. Yeah, you know, we're the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, at least in the WWE Network version, some weird music starts playing and sounds. I'm pretty sure it didn't sound like this back in 97, but because it's uh, WWE Network, they probably dubbed over oh, it. Oh, it did. It did. That's how it sounded. The sound drowned it out. Is, like is this... Like, uh... When the camera is on Sting, or before that, even before that, when they play like the the, the sound, and they then they pan up to him in the rafters with the bird. Yeah, that's and he's just that's, standing there in the voiceover. That's the original. Yeah. Wow. Because I, I, I remember that. Have, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. I figured they would still have the fans, like the, the ambient ambient noise in the background. They didn't. They just took all that out, and all you oh, heard okay. was the the voiceover. That's why I thought it was like a WWE edit. Um, well, maybe they. They tried to help uh, so we could hear the mm. speech or whatever, but because um, I don't have, you know, my VHS is in stores somewhere, so and I don't I don't really have a VCR, so I I won't be able to pop it in and tell you like the original. But the the music that was playing and the speech and all that stuff was uh, definitely uh, original. Okay, well we get that we get another look at Sting in the rafters, Badass, which is where he man. was for the majority of '97 badass uh and it was great like yeah it was just like this slow burn for a whole year until starcade and when they messed it all up (laughs) (laughs) it's like wwe messed it up in 93 at SummerSlam. Mm. wcw did at 97 at starcade just like how how y'all had it silver platter all you had to do was just do what you normally do one-on-one match somebody gets beat one two three and you leave instead you had to do something else but um, Sting is there with this bird. Lights go down. The bird is now on the ropes. And the NWO don't know what to make of it. Just like, what is this? Is this a bird? Is this, is this, an, is this a monster? Eric Bischoff <laughs> tries to touch it. The bird reacts to him. And he's like, ah! He's scared. Uh, Kevin Nash, who you are speculating that he was a little... He had a couple of adult beverages. Yeah. Uh, he reacts to it by trying to... He <laughs> acts like he's on this... Yeah. Knock the hell out of it with his belt. Which I died laughing. I'm sorry. I thought that was funny. No, that was great. Because even before that, he's like, we're shagging WCW rotten, baby. And then, like, Six six looks at him, and he's like, what? Like, he just starts laughing. (laughs) Why do you say that? (laughs) Before, before, like, the lights flicker and go to Sting, I'm just like, what the? Nash Nash is on one. What are you talking about? He's on one. Oh, he's yeah. having fun. I'm just saying. Yeah, but then, like fun. him, him acting like he world. was gonna hit hit him with the belt. I was like cracking up that too. Was, that was, I was dying. But he was on top of the world, man. He NWA was white hot. WCW was killing WWF. He was a man. <laughs> his big daddy, cool Kevin Nash. Not even Diesel no more. He's Kevin Nash. Yeah. He has his real name. Making money. You know what I'm saying? Like he's just having a good time. He's living life. I'm not mad at him. <laughs> I probably would have been feeling the same way. Just like, hey, man, we out here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how I'm living. He he didn't even 
when he, he was like, we're shagging WCW Raw, baby. He, it took him a while to say that. He was flubbing over some, some words a little bit. So, I like, don't know what. I, uh. <laughs> he starts laughing. And then, and I swear, go back and watch. Like, Six looks at him. Like, with the, you're right, dude. But he like he's laughing. Like, he's laughing. He's like, what? <laughs> his eye, his like, eyebrows go up. And he's just like, <laughs> man, you're messed up, aren't you? <laughs> like, it's like one of the funniest about? things I saw on that show. That's funny. And... That's how the show went out the air. I will say that is. What did you think about you know the staying in the vulture and the way the show ended? I was hoping I was right about. I wrote down that I was a vulture, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> That's why I just called it a bird. But all right, it was a vulture. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm just not good with sometimes with nature. Yeah. Like I don't know flowers like that and that bird. I just it's a vulture. I thought it was a vulture. I wasn't sure because he was the crow. But it didn't mm-hmm. use a crow. Right. Whatever. Don't matter. But what did I think of that? <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't think the bird was necessary. Hmm. Uh, but it wasn't necessary for him to have it up top. And then would have, did, did the vulture teleport? Like, Yeah, it flew down. In the dark? Yeah. I don't, I don't think it did. I guess it could because it could have a handler that, you know, get it to a spot. But. Well, yeah, I guess um, for TV they did that. I don't know if there were technically two there, but um, it might have been yeah. two. Well, you when but, the lights come back on, you see people like run out of the way of the camera. <laughs> right. That, I don't know. If that was the handlers. Right. Right. Or, you know the bird, the bird handlers. Yeah. Um, but because I've seen that happen at Eagles games when I used to be on the field. Sometimes before the game, we had one of the the actual live bald eagles. His name was Challenger. Would be like on a perch in the top of the stadium. And the handler would be on the ground, like swinging, like some type of thing, I guess, to like so the eagle can see it. And you know, they kind of like call to it or something like that, and they hold the glove up or whatever. And he challenged it, swoop down, and ran right on that person's arm, boy. <laughs> um, so maybe that's what happened. I don't know, but um, I mean, the vulture thing was a little probably more theatrical than necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh. I get the kind of the visual to trying to give, like, as far as, like, a sign. Maybe you didn't... I get that you try to piece it together. Like, they need a sting to be up there. Did he need to have the vulture with him for the vulture to show up on the ropes, too? Like, I think he could have did him by himself up top. Lights go out. Vulture shows up at the bottom. It's That's how you can connect it. I don't know. It's just... I just... It was kind of odd, but it felt like... Something out of like an '80s movie, like a, or an early '90s action movie, where the, the bad guys are on top, they're flying high, and this one guy is like out for revenge, like the crow, sort of. But like this one guy's out for revenge, and he leaves like a sign, that like "I'm coming for you" type of sign <laughs> that they all see while they're having fun and partying. And this was that. This the vulture was the sign from Sting that I'm coming to get you. You know, it's not over yet. You know, like. What movie was it? Gangs of New York when Leonardo DiCaprio hung, I think it was a dead rabbit, in the middle of like the town square to let the rival gang know that he was still alive and he was coming back to get him. So uh, it reminded me of something like that. That's how I like this story so much because it just felt like something out of a movie and it felt so like, it was just like, I, I can rock with this. It's, this is so like dramatic and is good. It's like so well told and then they just blew it at the end. <laughs> like, just blew it. So. That is Clash of the Champions 35 from 1997. It's been a long time talking about that and many other things here on this show. 
But it's time to uh, wrap it up. I'm not. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, okay. I need. I need to say, this is one of my favorite wrestling scenes ever, and I'm pretty alone in that. <laughs> no, not very many people liked this segment. Uh, they thought the bird was overkill. They thought, you know, it was kind of like it, it was weird because apparently there was supposed to be a note attached uh, to the vulture where. When it came down to the ring, uh, it was supposed to say Hogan's soul, and because uh, that's what Sting wanted. Like Sting wanted Hogan, but he's not going to talk. He's not going to tell anyone. But he's going to have a paper attached to the vulture that says Hogan's soul, and Eric Bischoff was going to take it off. And I guess the camera was supposed to capture it, and that's why the NWO waited so long. They were trying to figure out what the hell to do because the note fell somewhere, uh, which is probably why you're in your. In what you said earlier, maybe not have the vulture up there with Sting, uh, because when it flew down, apparently uh, it lost the paper. But I thought the the scene and, and the visual with Sting with the vulture up at the top with flapping its wings, I thought that was badass with him just like looking down, uh, staring at the NWO. Uh, like to me, like that's what I loved the most about this era of wrestling. Uh, you know. Was the vulture overkill? Maybe, but I thought it was badass because, you know, it looked badass even when it flew down in the ring and it was all the ropes and everything. And, you know, the NWO was like scared. They're like, what, what the hell? And then Bischoff tried to, you know, figure out what to do. And I guess somebody threw uh, one of those pamphlets rolled up in the ring so he could pick it up and act like he's reading something that came from the vulture. Because if you notice, he goes up to the vulture and tries to touch it, but doesn't. And he made that's apparently when he quote unquote gets the paper, you know, um, even though it's clear that he doesn't. Mm. But then he goes back to the NWO, opens it, and it says Hogan, like it's supposed to say Hogan. So they don't really react though. Um, but like the visual of on the vulture as the show goes off the air, man, I just loved everything about it. And maybe it was just the product of the time of, you know, where I was as a wrestling fan, you know, it was the end of the summer. I'm ready to go back to school. And it was a summer of great wrestling with WCW and WWF. And, uh, you know, this was like the ending of it. Uh, Friday night's main event was coming up like later that week or whatever. And I was, I was excited for that because there was no Monday night raw. Friday night's main event took the place of that, uh, for two weeks. And, uh, you know, I just, I just thought it was awesome. Uh, I, I I'm, and I'm, like I said, I'm probably alone in that because a lot of things, even Eric Bischoff's kind of like said he was like embarrassed about that a little bit. Conrad was like, yeah, that was kind of lame. Uh, doesn't really sit with you like through the years. But for me, it's I just thought it was badass. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's what I thought about that whole thing. And like I said, I'm probably alone in that. But Sting just looked like a badass with, with that. That's what I'm saying. It was awesome. It was for sure awesome. The whole story was awesome. I I was caught up in it just watching it on this one show. I haven't even seen it. Like, I was ready to see more, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I'm not going to watch it right now. I'm tired. <laughs> and this show needs to wrap up because we've been on here for a while. Uh, so I will give my flowers to the Vulture and, uh, and Sting because uh, that was great. <laughs> but most importantly, the Vulture gets yeah. his, his, his yeah. or her flowers. Yeah. And by the way, that music was awesome. That was like the debut of the Sting music uh, that right. we, we heard. And I thought it was badass. So it'll always it stay with me, 
And we will always stay with you as you can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. Follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can catch this podcast at phillyinfluencer.com and phillyvoice.com. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. Uh, if you can't find me there, you probably find me out here in these streets, but not that often because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are available. Uh, that's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those different places. We're everywhere. Spotify, you know, all that. So check us out on all those platforms. And check us out, of course, ShootersRadio.com for past episodes. Of course, Patreon dot com slash shooters radio if you got an idea uh, of something that you want us to cover us want us a deep dive on hit us up on patreon we'll do it for a uh you know a nominal fee of 199 if you have any requests so shoot it over to us at shooters radio on twitter on facebook wherever uh you can hit me and nick up as well on twitter if you have any requests uh and you can you know make that request at patreon patreon.com slash shooters radio but until next time for Nick Bacone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 253 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch you all again next week. Peace.